السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته الحمد لله so brothers and sisters jazakallah khair again for joining us um, as you probably already know by the title it's episode 27 of the dawa clinic uh, the dawa clinic alhamdulillah it's a, it's a good resource for brothers and sisters who tune in and it's a good resource for us as well because you know if you ask us tough questions then we have to go away and do our own homework and and perhaps uh, increase our learning as well um, but this is one of the most popular streams um doubtbusters is also quite a popular one but the dawa clinic generally tends to be probably one of the most popular in terms of at least guest um that guests that show up so if you want to get on please uh, do get on uh, as quickly as possible the uh, dawa clinic basically is questions about dawa i've heard this how would i deal with this what would be the best answer for this uh, or if somebody asks me this how would i formulate the answer what should i say uh, and inshallah ta'ala, you know um, from you know our experience we can try to help you and of course where there are gaps in our own knowledge we can then go away and learn and maybe learn from others as well and then perhaps relay that information to you so as i say it, it is a very popular stream i always say and then the, uh, the, the guests generally the brothers and sisters show up quite late and then they're struggling to get on and then they're complaining oh, i've been waiting for 3 hours i've been waiting for 2 hours um so if you don't want to wait and you have a dawa related question uh, please do come on as quickly as possible uh dr iman how are you doing alhamdulillah i'm really well jazakallah khair how are you doing back into the swing of things after umrah or is it still sort of settling in now yeah. i think you do get back into the swing of things i think the thing that happens is um it's because you, you have to return to just mundane life isn't it <laughs> so you sort of miss that whole um being in that place where it's just focused on spirituality and you're focused on ibadah and stuff like that and when you because here it's just all about you know you're, you're back into the rat race you know running to work running back and so yes we're back to normal but there is that lingering uh you know um you know you feel that you, you there's a better place that you can be in inshallah so, alhamdulillah mela make us uh go back inshallah and make everyone uh, go back inshallah and visit the haram inshallah it's it's very it's it's true obviously i mean haram and being at the haram being um in mecca obviously in medina it's obviously the best places that we could wish to be but even when you spend a little bit of time in the masjid or you know when i was young i'd go off for a, very rarely but just two three days jamaat or whatever you know and you know you're sort of really immersed in islam and in you know learning about islam and practicing islam and then suddenly you return back to your sort of life and you sort of almost need to readjust again because there's that le- level of sort of spirituality and and peace that you achieve or uh, that you experience and it does make it difficult sometimes to just just step back into the dunya again but there and and that's just going to the mosque or just go to the masjid you know or um you know just um even going doing a bit of dawa for example it, it, you feel really you're boosted um and then all of a sudden you're sort of back to, to to normal life and it does feel very mundane but alhamdulillah the beautiful thing for muslims is allah has told us that you, you, our whole lives are actually and can be ibadah worship so basically you know if we are eating it can be worship if we say bismillah assalamu alaikum ijaz how are you wa alaikum assalam alhamdulillah alhamdulillah so our whole lives can be worship so you know if we say bismillah before we eat then even every morsel that we're taking we're eating 
It becomes your ibadah. It becomes part, part of your worship. Every step you take to do something good, whether it's going to the masjid or to go and help somebody or to give charity or whatever, every step is rewarded, alhamdulillah. So Allah rewards us for the smallest of, of deeds if they're done with the right intention, of course. That's the important thing because if your intentions are for the dunya, for the world, or for worldly wealth or worldly praise, of course, that there is no reward. But if the if we sort of uh, realign our intentions and make it for Allah, for the sake of Allah, uh, for the pleasure of Allah, then everything becomes a reward. Even a smile, we're told. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, even a smile is charity. So if you if you smile at one another, uh, then you're getting credits of, of thawab, of, of good deeds are being recorded all the time. Uh, and so, alhamdulillah, as a, as a Muslim, this is the beauty. Even the smallest of inconveniences, we're told. You know, if you lose something and you find it in a different pocket, just the act of having to search from one pocket to the other, that level of inconvenience, Allah uh, uh, alleviates us of sins and gives us, um, if we if we do it with patience, we say Bismillah. You know, we say, we remember Allah. Everything becomes an ibadah. Everything becomes part of worship. Ijaz jazakallah khair for. Um, for mashallah joining us i hope you're feeling a, b- a bit better today alhamdulillah alhamdulillah it's always a pleasure to be here with the brothers and get the work done inshallah alhamdulillah so just a quick reminder brothers and sisters this is the dawah clinic episode 27 uh, if you have any dawah related questions please feel free to 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 um to tune in and we'll try our best inshallah to to handle these uh, type of questions uh, for you uh Ijaz, any good questions recently that you've heard or contentions that you've heard that, you know, you can think of any, uh, perhaps to, just just to relate to brothers and sisters and to us as well, that maybe we can learn from? Oh, that, that's, a, that's a good question itself. Uh, not anything specific that comes to mind. Uh, I think the most frequent question I got uh, on TikTok, it may have been yesterday, was uh, how do we as Muslims understand the concept of the Messiah and how are we meant to explain that to Christians? Because when they hear that term, they don't just hear a Messiah, they hear a Lord and Savior at the same time. And so if Islam is borrowing this term and redefining it, it's not a problem for Muslims, right? And the answer is simply no. The term of the Messiah existed before the time of the Christians. In the Hebrew Bible, it is there, it is present, and it simply means someone anointed by God. And Muslims are not appropriating the title because the title belongs to whomever Allah gives it to. And if he gives it to one of his messengers, we're satisfied with that. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, this is a sort of a question that is asked quite often, actually. You're right. It does come up. Uh, it also, what comes up is, uh, you know, the name of Allah. What is the name of Allah? And we say, well, Allah is the name of Allah, the God, <laughs> the God, basically. And they sort of think this is somehow a new word, but actually... It's not a new word because if you look at Aramaic, uh, obviously, Jazz Mashallah, you have a lot more experience in these different uh, Semitic languages. But um, I don't know if Aram- Aramaic would be Semitic. Is that correct? Sorry, yeah, my, my yeah, yeah, it, it would. So, so Aramaic. I mean, you know, if you if you look at uh, Jesus, how he would have called upon God, he would not have said God. He would not have said you know any other word. He would have said Allah or Allah. You know, very Allah. similar. Right. Allah or Allah, right? Uh, and in fact, we we have those words, don't we? I mean, I don't know if those, are, of course, are accurate or whatever. But Allah, Allah, God, God, why have you forsaken me? 
apparently these were the words of Jesus on the cross. Of course, we don't believe that he was on the cross. But I mean, what, what we gather from that, and I think it does, this should be something for Christians to just reflect upon, actually, that if their own apparent God is calling God Allah yeah. or Illah, yeah. and we are doing the same, and yet they're calling God by a different name, Shouldn't that really cause some sort of a conflict in people's minds? I mean, it, it, it should, but I, I think they focus on a particular name, the pronouncement of which we don't have, and they put too much focus on that. Right. If the crucifixion is meant to be the culmination of God's story of how we achieve salvation, then the words and the phrases that Jesus uses at that moment will have to be the most tender and the most sincere. And if yes. that term is Ela, then that is. That's not an oddity. It's it's actually something that should give importance to that name. And similarly for Muslims, the name Allah is called the Ism Azam, the, 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 the chief or the supreme name of Allah, right? So we clearly know the name of God, right? The the only Ilah is Allah. That's his sacred name. And we call everyone to worship that that God by that specific name, inshallah. Subhanallah. Um, and, and also, Ijaz, obviously, I was straight slightly over top, off topic, but the other thing is that when Jesus is depicted praying in the Bible, with your experience, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's putting his face onto the ground, peace be upon mm -hmm. him, effectively doing sujood, sijda, which is what we do in our prayer, is there anywhere else in the Bible where it depicts Jesus praying in some sort of physical, in terms of physical uh, positioning or whatever, react, well, other than this? There is an oddity, right? Because Christians interpret it in one of two ways. Like if you look at pictures of nuns when they were before priests, they lie like on the floor with their face down, the whole body like right, on flat. the floor, face right. down. And you're thinking, have you ever seen someone normally worship God like that? It's typically on your knees because right. there's a psychological component to it. Right? Mm. I've never seen anyone say, okay, I want to surrender myself to God and then they lie I'm not making fun of anyone. I'm just yeah. trying to say it's not instinctive to do that. And mm. so it's not instinctive to interpret it that way. And we mm. know that Jews historically, when they pray, they sit sometimes on yeah. their knees or on their bum like we do in, in Sujud usually. And mm. that's how they pray. So we don't well, have actually, to invent. Yeah, I've heard that once, in the, once a year, they actually pray literally doing Sujud exactly how we do Sujud. Once, almost once, exactly, almost exactly, almost yeah. exactly, right? Subhanallah. Anyway, let's move to the uh, the guests who are waiting. Mashallah, um, Jazakallah Khair for the five of you who have already, six of you who have already joined. Um, uh, Dr. Imran did put the link up, and I've just put the link up again uh, just to uh, give you access to the stream. Um, I, I think perhaps we might have forgotten to put it at the bottom of the video. We might not have, but just in case we did, Alhamdulillah, there's the, there's the link for you. Uh, we're going to, inshallah, uh, if the brothers don't mind, we're going to prioritize our sisters because we don't generally get a lot of sisters. And then I, I think it would be nice to just give up a bit of priority to our sisters, uh, as we usually do. We have a, a special place for our sisters. Uh, Sister Marwa, if you just want to quickly put your camera on just for one more second, and I can just quickly interact with you. And then inshallah, just give me a thumbs up, please. Jazakallah khair. And you can turn your camera off now, sister, and we're going to get you on next. Uh, so, uh, so, Sister Marwaj, uh, welcome to the stream. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Well, I'm very much new, so I, uh, I'm, I come up well and I can express myself in a correct way. I have uh, first one uh, is regarding the 
And uh, the second one is an issue discussing the uh, Trinity about the resurrection and the death of the Bible and uh, that as an answer for a Christian um, perspective. I would like to, uh, I honestly, I was actually just emailing you right now, like now and I just found your stream. So um, thank you so much again. And um, uh, I me to discuss these topics. Yes, Barakalafi, sister, Jazakallah khair for, for tuning in. And there's no need to be nervous. We're, we're your brothers in Islam, alhamdulillah. And it, most of our viewers are, are, inshallah, believers, brothers and sisters as well. So there's no pressure, sister. Please start with your first question and then we'll try to get through to the second one as well, inshallah. Can I start with the second question, please? Because this is, was actually was my yeah, that's fine. about. Okay, thank yes. you so much. Uh, well, it's actually about... Um, the first one is about um, the warfare, um, the term warfare described in the Aya in Quran, uh, um, in his uh, before Rufia, to, uh, to, uh, and then Rufia. And then a lot that's been said about the warfare in Surah Al Zumur and Surah Al about how it much relates to a state of sleep. Find in uh, the Gospel of Matthew um, 9:24, there is a sort of a verse, or um, is explaining to the disciples about girl is about to seem to be dead. Everybody thinks that she's dead. Everybody says that, but he says no, she's asleep. He's the same verse that exactly what's going to happen to him so he's kind of showing and teaching what will happen to him so the kind of narrative that the quran comes with to explore and to and not only to explore to portray the teaching the exact teaching and the correct way of handling what exactly happened to jesus by saying that he that he he did not die but he actually to fear as he described as I don't know exactly why this, this naturally doesn't come out in, in in the terms of handling. So I don't know if I'm all uh, how well if there is some backfire on it or something. So that's why I would like to discuss it further to see its applicability. All right, so Jazakallah Khair for your question. I think there was uh, moments where we were sort of dropping out connection, so it was perhaps a little bit difficult to understand all of the questions. But Ijazo, right. brother uh, Imran, did you manage to get the gist of the question? Uh, sister, the, um, <clears throat> the the quote that you quoted in Matthew, <clears throat> I think Ijaz would probably be familiar with that. I um, am, but, but if you could just give, sorry, Ijaz. 924, wanna... I think it was Matthew 924. The difficulty yes. was I didn't hear the question. It was cut in, in and out. Uh, I'm saying that exactly the what he described to the uh, to the disciples and how the narrative of the girl being called as dead and he told them to tell them, no, she did not die, sleep. And mm -hmm. by expressing this sort of a state and teaching that on coming afterward and saying that's exactly what he taught and that is exactly what happened to him because in Aya, uh, Ala Imran, uh, I believe it's, I can't remember, it's, uh, I think it's 156, uh, which is uh, so there is mutawafika. And then we go to Surah Al-Zumar uh, uh, and Surah Al-An'am and we see that Tufia is the state of a sleep. And then in Surah Al-Aya is actually very, uh, very clear. 
منامها uh, الله يتوفى الانفس حين منامها والتي منامها this ayah I don't want to say it wrongly I can open the verse I'm sorry it was it was very quick to me that I found the link so I'm not very prepared but uh, I can bring it I have the Quran right next to me if you just bear with me if you want to hear it exactly it's actually I think it's Surah Al-Nisa not Surah Al-Amran so, uh, sister, is the question, was Jesus raised asleep? Is that the question? The question is that the, the narrative of what to be about it, that is not dead, that he is asleep, which is exactly what the Quran says, is exactly what about the state of this girl. So he already gave them a hint about what is going to happen to him. So when Quran comes with this narrative, it is a narrative he's already gave to them but i don't see this uh, this 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 term is usually used when he's going to entering jerusalem on the donkey and they swim they don't mention this topic as as something sp- significant or specific how specific as it seems because this is in the quran that he actually this is what happened to him terms that so we have something that relates to people from quran that you know what I mean? I don't know how to express it well, but uh, is, is my question. I don't know what the question If the question is, is this a hint of what would have happened to Jesus? That's possible. That's in the realm of possibilities. Um, but uh, we, we, I, I, that would be it. Yeah, maybe is the answer. I'd like to see if I can use this narrative and if this narrative is valid, because it's one of the things it seems very clear studying the ayat there it seems it's quite asleep and not dead and still it's very also that they're saying and it's apparent to everyone so it's kind of exactly to him and they are like saying or as the people who didn't know and he's coming and saying no she's not so it's the message that is the same message that the coming with that his not because also death in is Big topic. It's uh, not every dies is dead. I mean, some people who die in Sabilillah, so there is the concept of that is in Islam has has a different uh, way of handling it, and and I believe this is this relates okay. to the specific okay. situation of Jesus. I I think what's uh, difficult here is that it's quite hard to hear you. So it may be best to email us where we can hear you properly there and we can get the proper references and take a little bit a closer look because even the audience is having difficulty following mm. along. Oh, I'm really Maybe sorry. The connection might be bad. Yeah, no, that, that's okay. I mean, sister, just to, partly uh, from what I understood, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Dr. Imran, why don't you uh, get in there? Because I think you've probably so understood. I think... I think there's a. I think I'm. I'm trying to understand what you're saying, and I agree with the brothers that it's difficult to hear clearly what the question is. But it seems to me, and, and I, and I obviously, I, I agree that if you email us, we can maybe understand you more um, accurately. But what I'm going to do is to try and give you the, what I understand you're trying to say, and then maybe you can say this is this is what you're saying. So what you seem to be saying, what you see, what I'm g- gathering from the because you're breaking up. But what I'm gathering is is that. Um, you're talking about the fact that um, the the, Rafa, the the taking of uh, Isa Islam can be referred to uh, from the Quranic text that you refer to other texts of using the word mutawafika can be referred to something of like a sleep state. 
And then you're you're correlating that with something in Matthew about a girl who is uh, thought to be dead, and Jesus in the narrative speaks to the people and says she's not dead, she's asleep, and raises her back. And you seem to be correlating these two, and it seems to be that you want to argue along this line that this is what's happened to Isa alayhi salam in the Islamic narrative. Uh, is that correct, exactly. sister? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So. There's a there's a problem with this approach, sister. So email us anyway, and we can give you the more of the details. The problem is, is that you don't uh, the 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 Quran is very emphatic about Jesus peace upon him not being killed, and also not being crucified. And it says that when Jesus is taken, it says it's not just uh, it's not just he's Rafa. Uh, uh, he's also Rafa Alay to Allah. He's taken to Allah. So if you read uh, Surah four one five eight. It says, but Allah raised him up to himself. Yes, yes. Yes, so, the, so, the, what, so now the, the people who try to, and often it's people who are um, Ahmadis or Qadianis who try and argue that this is, uh, you know, uh, Jesus was, um, uh, uh, he was on the cross and he was crucified and he was taken down. And then he was, uh, you know, uh, he went off to another place and he was taken up. Um, but after he died, he was taken up in a place of death. So this just taking up can be of three types. Uh, one can be of death, so that can apply. One can be of in a sleep when you're when you're in a sleep state, you can be taken. And the other one is is entirety. So you're physically and spiritually taken up. So what's the taking up of your sleep is when your soul is taken, because Allah says in the Quran that when you're sleeping, and we're explained that your soul is taken, and Allah and Allah decides to return it, and you're given life again. Do you understand? Now that's a different exactly. type of taking up. Uh, what's clear from the 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 prophet peace upon him when explaining about all of these, uh, um, uh, uh, explaining explaining about Isa alayhi salam his return, that it will be the individual who will come back as he was taken. So we understand that this specifically means that uh, Isa alayhi salam will be taken up in his entirety. It could be you could say that it could be meaning that wherever Isa alayhi salam is with Allah that he's in a state of sleep or suspended animation, however you want to think about it. But you shouldn't really, I would advise against arguing, because uh, almost you're giving giving Christians the crucifixion by this narrative. No, and, on the contrary, because because actually that's the second point of the crucifixion, because it's a curse. And that is, but that I will email that because obviously my connection is really, really bad, but I also have some... My, my issue is about the word mutawafika. I'm not denying the rufi'ah. And I'm not denying of the physicality of return. Ahlul Kahf, everything is possible. Nobody can say anything. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just discussing that basically that they, not that it's about the crucifixion. It's about his state and what he said and about his death. And this is, if Quran is right about this and it's stating that and they are wrong about what they're saying so maybe also about the crucifixion also where where i don't want to con continue with that and make it a long conversation with a bad connection and very boring to everyone so thank you so much for your time i'm really grateful and i hope i can catch you with a better connection i have many more questions actually so okay. do, do email us inshallah and of course we will uh I already um, did. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you on. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Um, I, I, think, I think we were just struggling a little bit with the connection, but I think we got there in the end. Uh, Brother Muhammad Ali, uh, we're going to get you on next. Um, I know you're not very shy and 
need to turn the camera off. So I know you'd probably leave it on, but uh, it's your choice. Inshallah, we're going to get you on now. Uh, Brother Muhammad Ali, Asalaamu Alaikum. Wa Alaikum Asalaam. Brother Abbas, Brother Imran, and my uh, brother Ejaz, all the three are beautiful here. Uh, brothers are mashallah. Uh, uh, so I, I, I won't take uh, yeah much of your time. I have um, so I just yeah, wanted to ask about uh, have you ever experienced yeah, uh, uh, someone uh, turning back on Islam after accepting uh, due to some yeah family. Uh, 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 um, their 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 family pressures, uh, and uh, the linked here question here to 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 this is, will I be I myself be held accountable if they if 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 they turn back? Uh, 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 maybe because uh, there was uh, something lacking in my dawa. I'm sorry. Uh, Alhamdulillah. Uh, for your question, brother, uh, brother Muhammad Ali. Um, but basically, uh, yes, of course, it does happen. Uh, people um, change their mind or they, under pressure, duress, um, sometimes don't accept the message to begin with. Uh, and, and others, they do uh, accept the message. And then there's an enormous amount of uh, uh, pressure that's placed upon them. Often what people tend to report in the media is all these bad Muslims who, you know, are harsh to uh, people apparently who leave Islam. But what they don't realize is, in fact, I would say probably in today's day and age, there's a far more harsh treatment given to those who actually accept Islam. Um, ask any new Muslim uh, or when they became Muslim, they immediately lose half of their family and friends on Facebook once they announce that they're Muslims. Sometimes it's even worse than that. Uh, others are thrown out of their houses, literally by parents who've known them obviously all their life, nurtured them and they've grown up with them. And suddenly they throw them out of the house. Uh, there are all sorts of problems. And um, we are, um, you know, we are sometimes in contact with uh, brothers and sisters like this. I know, for example, I'm not going to mention the Sheikh, but um, Sheikh was telling us about a young young lady who had accepted Islam. And I think they got a call at two or three o'clock in the morning that I've been thrown out of my house. Uh, and, you know, it was it was an hour and a half away. And the sheikh then woke his wife up. They got in the car. They brought that young lady to their house so that she, she could at least be safe. And then, alhamdulillah, everything turned out okay. But I, I don't believe her family have still accepted the fact that... She, so there is that pressure, and that pressure can be enormous. Uh, and this is why, as born muslims we we need to really um really help our new muslim brothers and sisters and one of the ways that we can help them is that you know we invite them to our homes as well for dinner for eid uh for for celebrations just to make life easier for them because often they do lose uh, a lot of their social interaction and and, and often their family interaction as well uh, may allah reward them for their patience now the question about whether you're responsible or not responsible uh, of course, you know, Muhammad Ali, if you've tried your best and you've been sincere and the person leaves, you know, Allah is Ghafoor Rahim. He's the most merciful, most kind. He's fully aware of the situation. But of course, you know, if we behave badly as Muslims, 
uh, and we show a very harsh, very uh, bad type of behavior, which then perhaps turns somebody away, then yes, we could potentially be responsible. And that's why uh, that level of responsibility for us Muslims, especially when you're out in a non-Muslim country, uh, we should have impeccable manners, just like the way the Prophet ﷺ advised us and taught us. And we should uh, adhere to those values in a way that people can see the true Islam. And that includes things like, for example, the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, we, we've been taught about things like hygiene and smelling nice and looking nice and smiling and being approachable and being honest and being just. And unless we live Islam, um, you know, we we could well be held responsible for turning people away because of our bad behavior or our bad actions. Because, of course, they will judge Islam by that. But inshallah, uh, Brother Muhammad Ali, I'm sure that, you know, you did your best uh, in this particular case, if it's something that you're referring to yourself personally. And Allah is most merciful, most kind. Uh, Allah is not looking for reasons to punish us and to hold us accountable. Allah is looking for reasons to forgive us and, and, and show us mercy. It's all down to your intentions. It's all, all down to uh, your niyyah, of course. And, and I'm sure, inshallah, that was, that was, a, uh, that was good. Um, Brother Ijaz, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, ju just quickly, uh, we are responsible for the people in our charge. Like if, if you're a man and you have a wife, it'll be the wife and the kids. If you're a child to a parent, you, your parents have uh, a responsibility for you and you have responsibility towards them. So what is important here is for every Muslim to learn what their responsibilities are in an Islamic context. So if you feel as if you wronged someone, you have to question, okay, what am I responsible for? Are there acts and things which I did that pushed this person over the edge? I feel like if we ask that too much, we give we relieve, we release the person who left Islam from their own responsibility to recognize that you also make mistakes. So it just seems to be the case, one, that we should acknowledge our responsibilities, and two, we are only we are only guilty for the things that we did intentionally, knowingly, and meaningfully. If these are not things which you intended, but they brought about a negative response, then we can simply say that person chose their path and you still have your door open towards them. But don't let guilt hold you back from being just and fair to them. But And also don't let guilt hold you back from stopping you from continuing with your Islam. But you should allow it to push you to do some introspection. And if you find yourself responsible, make the effort to undo it. But it's very rarely the case, except in ex extreme cases where people do things that cause a significant change in their children or their parents, etc. So you're not always going to be responsible for how people think and believe and act. It's, most people would have a very limited responsibility and really hidayah or guidance is in the hands of Allah. So simply, simple to put it, one, know your responsibilities Two, if you've done wrongs, acknowledge them and try to undo them. And three, if you've wronged yourself, seek repentance from Allah and hope in his mercy. And four, keep your door open to others, inshallah. And who knows what happens. Alhamdulillah. Mashallah, beautiful answer. Dr. Imran, do you want to add anything, inshallah, to that? Or? I think you're quite, uh, just to say that your question actually points to a, a common phenomena that families of people, you know, we, we always talk about how if you left Islam, your family would do X, Y, Z to you. Um, but actually what we find is when people become Muslim, 
there's immense amounts of difficulties they go through because of personal relationships. Um, you know, the, very extreme examples I know of, uh, of uh, a, a Sikh lady who became Muslim, mashallah, and her and her brothers and her father beat her to the point they thought she was dead. This is in the UK, and they left her. Um, alhamdulillah, she survived. Now she's you know married with children, and she's living a wonderful life. May Allah preserve her. But we underestimate the difficulties that people go through, and and one of the one of the really good pieces of advice you can give to somebody who realizes Islam is true, but they have personal difficulties is they don't have to announce that they're Muslim, and they can do the best that they can uh, to be, uh, to to obey Allah and everything else in the capacity that they're in. Um, so it's not we we we're very we get very sort of happy when people become Muslims and we sort of push them to to you know go out and announce these things. But actually, that can be detrimental and and always give that person the individual the the, the option to consider for themselves when is the right time. Um, so we should really be careful about uh, putting people in the public because if not. Why are we doing that? Oh, we want you to do this publicly, it's mainly for ourselves, mainly to you know. Get, motivate other Muslims look your Islam religion is true because there's another person who's accepting it but actually it should be just about that individual and their relationship with Allah and we we should really refrain from pushing people to announce their Islam unless uh, they're very comfortable and they're very confident or they're in a position of authority so most men usually are okay uh, most men not all men but the sisters are very vulnerable in this in this regard and so we have to be a little bit more careful. That's the only thing that I would say. But you know, alhamdulillah, I agree with Brother Abbas and Brother Ijaz that your responsibility is limited. Uh, all you can do is your best. But we have to try and be as supportive as we can. There are lots of organizations that can support new Muslims. And uh, we should put Muslims in touch with these organizations to try and help them, particularly in the early days, inshallah. Um, I hope that was useful, Brother uh, Muhammad Ali. Yes, indeed. Jazakallah uh, khair. Yeah, to all you. Um, uh, uh, brothers out there um, and the reason uh, I come on uh, I, I keep my camera on because I I honestly feel that uh, since you are all of them are out there and you show your face and it's a it, 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 it's a big thing and uh, and uh, so, in in your your uh, 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 respect, I show my face as well. Brother, I was just joking with you. Please, it wasn't no. a judgment on, 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 in any case. But, but <laughs> no, it's no. always a pleasure, brother, to have you on. Um, yeah. I'm going to get Sister Khulud on next because she needs All to right. go for. A, a, she's tied up. She has something to do. But Jazakallah for coming on, and it's always a pleasure, brother, to have you on. And I love to see your smile as well. Uh, it, it brings joy to joy to our hearts as well. I'm sure. Inshallah, I will uh, see you all uh, in, uh, in 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 uh, in 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 the UK if I ever come. Inshallah. 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 We'd love to have you. Inshallah. Allah is brother. Uh, sister Khulud, you can turn your camera off, sister, um, and we're going to get you on next because I know that you're uh, tight for the time. Uh, sister Khulud, welcome to the stream. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. 
And Jazakallah Khair for prioritizing me. Sorry about that. Barakallah Khair, that's quite all right. Even if I have to drop, um, I'll watch the stream later, inshallah. But uh, the question I wanted to ask was regarding the dating of the Gospels in particular. I mean, when you look at the secular historian view that Mark was the earliest, around 70, then you have Matthew and Luke coming around late 70s, 80s, early 90s, and then you have um, John anywhere between 90 to post 100. So I know they're coming off of those dates because of the prediction of the fall of the Temple of Jerusalem. But speaking to a lot of um, more theologically driven Christians, they say that, well, that could just be a miracle from God. And therefore, that doesn't necessitate that these uh, Gospels were written past this time. So I was just wondering if there's other supporting evidences that point to these later dates, or if that's the primary driving factor. Okay, uh, Mashallah, good question. Uh, Dr. Ijaz, why don't you start with this one, Dr. Ijaz? I'm only a doctor of love temporarily. I've given you an honorary, you know, Ijaz, mashallah, with all your um, uh, studying of, of Christianity, I've given you an honorary doctor, oh. doctoral, uh, you know, certificate now, mashallah. Jazakallah, I appreciate Uncle Abbas. Uh, okay, so to answer Sister Khulud's question, simply put, Yavan, uh, we call these signposts, right? So signposts in history allow us to identify when things may or may not have been written. So how do academics arrive at earlier dates and later dates, specifically within the first century, right? So what they will say when it comes to the Gospels is Jesus probably lived and died around the year 30 to 33 CE. And based on the writings of Paul, he started writing around the year 47, maybe the year 49, and is executed in the year 65. So throughout these dates, we have to account for the language used in the Gospels. Do the Gospels use Pauline language? Do they do they reflect political circumstances of a particular decade? And the answer, quite simply put, is the Gospels do not give us sufficient information to allow us to make those distinctions very early on. They simply lack that contextual awareness. So to say that they're early, there is no support and evidence. And to say that it's later, there is very little support and evidence for a relationship between the Gospel of Luke and some of the writings of Paul. And so if he died by the year 65, then the Gospel of Luke must have been written around there at some point. And then to get to the Gospel of John, we see that that Gospel of John, as we have it today, answers some of the questions that we find in Matthew, Mark and Luke but also is on a different timeline altogether. So it may have been written in an environment where the people did not consider Matthew, Mark, and Luke to be as authoritative or as informative as you know, the Gospel of John itself. So simply put, we lack that information to make those decisions, but it's almost universally considered that the Gospels in some way, as we have them today, began to be composed around the end of the first century CE. And we come to this conclusion based on the fact that the, uh, the, the church fathers in the early second century to around the mid second century, they begin to show awareness of these narratives in circulation. So it's simply based on how close 
we think these narratives could have been introduced and then circulated and reached the church fathers, in some cases as far as Gaul, France. Uh, so it takes time to do that. So 10 to 15 years, maybe 20. So they say within 20 years before and after of some certain church fathers, that is the more reliable goalpost or signpost in this case. I, I don't know if that answers your question. I tried. Uh, if I didn't blame it on Uncle Abbas, because he gave someone unqualified a doctorate, right? Well, so. it's, it's a good thing I didn't answer it because I would have had to make up most of it. But uh, Sister Khulud, um, are you satisfied with that answer? Yeah, I was just uh, going to ask a follow-up real quick. Are, could you name some of those church fathers just so I have them in the back yeah, of my so reference? You, you have Polycarp, you mm -hmm. have Marcion, you have uh, Tatian, right? Uh, what I would suggest is there's a wonderful book by Burton L. Mack. I think it's called Who Wrote the Gospels? I think uh, Burton Mack, uh, who wrote... Is it this one the, here, Ayat? Oh, there it is, yep. Who wrote the New Testament. So he has it up on the screen. You can just get that. Mm -hmm. That book goes through some of the sociological and archaeological evidence that helps uh, historians date the Gospels. And you will see he speaks about these exact same things. He speaks about the signposts and changes in culture and society and how they are reflected in the linguistics of the Greek New Testament Gospels. Okay, perfect. Jazakallah khair. That, that's okay. all I had. Alhamdulillah. Thank you. I, I wish we had an Amazon affiliate link to these books so that whoever gets them, Alhamdulillah, they support the Dawah at the same time. I also just had a quick question, somewhat unrelated, but I noticed that most of the da'is that I see are male. And as a female, I'm very interested in getting into the field. Um, is there a resource? I know you guys are in the UK and I'm in the US, but is there a general network group that I could get in touch with? I know we have like little efforts here in our masjid, but I was just curious if there's a bigger one for women. So I think Ayeva has a pretty substantial network in the U.S. And when you do their, uh, their, their, their GORAP training program, I think they actually put you in contact with people in your, your region. That's one opportunity. The other is I know that ICNA, I-C-N-A, mm -hmm. as well as ISNA have DAWA programs and classes and courses. I believe Brother Jake, the Muslim metaphysician, is part of that as well. So uh, those would be the three groups I would go towards. Lastly, um, depending of if you're near to California or not, Sheikh Othman's One Message Foundation also has a pretty uh, wide network and is popular as well. Yeah, Southern California is my uh, hometown, so. <laughs> then you're in the right neighborhood. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. No problem. Jazakallah khair for coming on, sister. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Doctor, do you want to add anything to that, to what Ijaz said there or? No, I think that was excellent. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, Sister Maya, we're going to get you on next. Um, if you could just put your camera on for a few seconds and we can just interact with you, inshallah. Um, we, we would just, sorry, need to see you if you, if that's okay. Um, of course, um, you know, just, just your face so we could identify you. Uh, and then, of course, you can turn your camera off. Jazakallah um, khair. If you could just give us a little wave. Thank you. You can turn your camera off now, Sister. And uh, you can have it off while we while, while we speak. Uh, Sister Maya, welcome to the stream. Thank you. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can do. 
Oh, assalamualaikum. Um, alhamdulillah. So my name is Maya. I live in California, and I put a request um out to you guys about a project I'm working on, and um Brother Ayaz recommended that I come on here and present the project to you and and get your feedback, recommendations, and follow up. Is that okay? Um, it's it's a little bit awkward online simply because we might have lots of questions and. And 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 uh, th this particular uh, stream is for uh, dawa related questions. Um, uh, it, you know. it is it is dawa related, and I I tried to go through the proper channels to get <laughs> to yeah. you guys on this. Yeah, let, let let's try then. I mean, okay. I, I don't, if we if the first question we realize it's not suited for the stream, we can set something up in short. Not a problem, Sister Maya. Go ahead. Okay, so um, I was born and raised in East Africa in Uganda, and I've lived in the U.S. 20 years, and I've been reconnecting with my home country. And in that process, I've been listening to all these podcasts and shows that are very popular. And one of them is a, pod, it's a podcast group with about 50,000 followers. And so it's a show. So I was watching the show, and I wrote to them with a lot of complaints about some of the ideology that is being uh, put out on the show. So my complaint was, look, you are young people, you're talking about very Western secular modern ideas, you you seem to be pushing those. And I I questioned, I questioned them on those ideas. And they were not expecting that. They're not expecting that there's somebody in California who's opposed to their modern ideas. So you know, we went back and forth and the challenge was come on the show. We have fifty thousand people come on the show and talk about Islam. Come and challenge our, our views. So here I am now. I'm a podcast. Now I'm a podcast co-host and a and a show with uh, fifty thousand people in Sub-Saharan Africa, and um, it is it is something that um, you know I care about Dawa very much. I've done a little bit of work with Ikna and um, and all these groups, but um, the challenge that I'm having is these are young people in Sub-Saharan Africa, and they are completely neglected by the West, by Muslims in the West. No one really reaches out to them. And so what I'm trying to do is bring people from the West, those Muslims who live here, who are struggling with this modernity, who understand the culture. And what I'm trying to do is to bring these people to the show as a co-host, you know, I'll be a co-host, I'll have my other co-hosts to challenge them. And we have conversations about Islam, um, as opposed to just me coming on and telling them, this is how it is in the West, you're not here, so you don't know what you're talking about. And so now um, I've reached out to Aira. I've, re I've reached out to Sapiens Institute. I'm not getting. I'm not getting anywhere. So um, my goal is to have maybe two or three um, podcasts, two or three sessions on Zoom with my co-hosts who have a lot of questions, and we just sit down and talk about modernity. A lot of people in Sub-Saharan Africa live in Christianity, and they just there's just this assumption that oh. When Christianity is over, we just hop on to secularism, right? There's only two options. You're either a Christian or you're atheist secular. So, so Sister Maya, uh, basically what you're saying is you'd like to invite us to come on to the show. That's what you're saying. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, that's what I'm okay. saying. Well, well, inshallah, we'll we, we definitely consider it. We do not want to neglect um, uh, Africa. We don't want to neglect uh, the Asian subcontinent. One of the one of the beautiful things about uh, obviously YouTube and do, doing videos in YouTube and of course the the English language is that you do reach a very very 
large, uh, you know, demographic. And that includes many parts of Africa, of course, because they speak English in many African countries um, and also Asian Asian countries as well. Um, but we, we'd be happy to consider that, inshallah, that if not all of us, then at least one or two of us, right. some of us uh, will, will, will try to come on the show. Just out of interest, you said 50,000. Is that 50,000 people viewing live or is that 50,000 subscribers? This is, um, I, so I asked the show, they say they have about 2,000 on YouTube. There's another, you know, I don't know, 10,000 on TikTok. So, but the combined viewing, the combined pool that they were yeah. uh, giving me was about 50,000 people. Yeah, so, so sister, I, I did check, uh, don't mind, uh, but the views are like 36 views per video or 194. I think in the last two months, the highest amount they got was three thousand. Yeah, you know, I, so my my, my suggestion them, would be I asked yeah. them, and you know they're very because the videos are very long. They they have these sit downs hour and a half. Yes, a lot yes. of their viewership is through TikTok and twi okay. Twitter and that type of thing. So they do have okay. a lot of their viewership comes from clips and from a lot of the local things that they do. So I was very careful to ask that question, and that's the number they gave me about thirty thousand, fifty thousand. Okay, well, in, in this case, I would just suggest maybe they can join us on one of our streams and start a conversation that way. And we can then, you know, if the conversation proceeds, we can jump on one of their streams. Because uh, I did check your email at uh, Dr. Meyer, if, right. I, if I got that right. Right. And may, may I reward you for your intentions and your hard work. So let's communicate some more, inshallah. The idea is definitely we're open to it and we would try to support you in the best way possible, inshallah. Okay. No, my, my preference is to have at least one person come because just imagine I'm trying to bring all these people to you and they don't have a clue what's going on. And it's just too much. I'm hoping this one person with this knowledge can just join me and talk. For Sister, a we will definitely yeah. seriously consider it. And it's not, it's not just about, of course, views and clicks and these right. things. It's just that obviously most of us do things that are outside of the live streams as well. And so it's just about timing and getting the time to be able to fit it in and, and, and just to sort of see whether we're being most productive or not. But inshallah, we will definitely give it serious thought. And I'm not just sort of fobbing you off and just saying that. Okay. Uh, and and if, if some of us can join, um, you know, to at least do to, to, um, one or one show or whatever, to just see how, see how it goes, we'd be happy to do that. And we'd be very happy also if you arrange for them to come onto the open forum or whatever, um, and, you know, we would uh, be happy to perhaps give them some clips uh, yeah. or possibly even their interaction with us. Okay. Uh, we might give them special permission. We don't normally do that, but as long as they don't edit it, we might give them permission to just upload that onto their channel as well, that they were invited onto, uh, onto our show. And that might help a lot, a lot more viewership, obviously, here and, and around the world, and, of course, their, their viewership as well. But we will definitely look at it very seriously, sister. Jazakallah khair for your concern. Thank you. Can I just ask, what, what is the timing and the day of the uh, actual uh, podcast? So... Over there, so it's on East Africa time, we we film Wednesdays and Fridays. UK time, I believe, is between 5, it's about 6 p.m. your time, between 6 to 11. We have a window that we all sit down in and um, do. So it's between that's East Africa useful. time, UK, and California. Yeah. So that's useful to know, inshallah. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back to you, inshallah, and to, to make some arrangements, inshallah. Inshallah, alhamdulillah. Thank you so much, guys. Jazakallah khair for coming on. Alhamdulillah. alaikum. Um, okay, Ijaz, I've just got a message here. It was it was sent a, a short while ago, but 
I was expecting something a little bit more uh, nicer from Brother Mohit. Yeah, he's that's that's a really mean thing to say, isn't it? Is it such a yeah. mean thing? He's such a nice brother as well, and then all of a yeah. sudden he sa- he starts talking about these sort of things. And Mahit, you know, I was expecting a little bit more uh, charity from your from your side, really. You know, you uh, you're just bringing Brother Ijaz down, and that's not right. I think the comments people might actually now start rebuking you, of course, in a nice way, not in a in a harsh way. Uh, not that we were encouraging them, but if they of did... Course, they no, of course not. Of course not. Uh, brother Mir uh, Rasik, I saw you earlier doing this and stretching your neck and everything. I'm getting a little bit scared because, you know, normally this is what people do before they get into a fight, you know. They limber up and everything. But uh, we're going to get you on next anyway, inshallah. I'm sure the, the smile says otherwise. So uh, if you can leave your camera on or turn it off, whatever you prefer, inshallah. Uh, brother Mir Rasik, welcome to the stream. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. How are you doing, brothers? Alhamdulillah, absolutely fine. How are you doing? You're right. Alhamdulillah. So I had come last time. I had the doubt, uh, you know, last stream, and uh, you have suggested to come on this stream to ask the question. Please. Uh, ask so the there question. are two questions. Uh, these are not doubts. These are questions. Uh, okay. Uh, so the first question goes like: uh, At many of the times, atheists uh, say that. Uh, whenever we talk um, to them regarding the, you know, to explain the existence of this universe, they say that simply we don't know. So how should one atheist respond to that? Okay, Jazakallah Khair for your question. Dr. Imran, when the atheist says, I don't know, how should we answer that question? That's not a question, that's a statement. I suppose what he's asking is how how do we reply to that statement then? You see, because the, one of the things that atheists uh, claim is they claim to be um, they claim to be rational. They claim that they are uh, using uh, usually they claim they're using science as a basis for their um, understanding of how the universe is. Um, and if they're saying they don't know, um, then the position is um, okay. Then you don't you are not in the position to say that uh, I'm wrong. Do you understand? Yeah. Could you please repeat? If somebody if somebody says, let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'll I'll, 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 I'll give you a scenario to make you understand. Yeah. I have a I have a sweet. I put it in my mouth and I say this sweet is uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And the other person says, I don't know. So I said, okay. So you can't say to me that I it's not amazingly. Tasty. Do you understand? They're not in the yeah. position. The, the, I, I don't know statement is simply saying that their position is that they have don't have an idea. And you can say, okay, that's fine. If you have an idea. So one way of approaching this is to say to them, okay, if you have an idea, come back. If you're interested in seeking knowledge and, and uh, investigating further, then we can have a discussion. Because sitting back and saying, I don't know, is is a cop-out. It's, it's neither here or there. Do you understand? Yeah. So so someone says to you, I don't know. You say, okay, then that means that you don't know if I'm wrong and you can't say that I'm wrong. But if they want to say yeah, that I'm wrong, then, you have, then they will move from this position and try to have a discussion with you. But you have to try and move the discussion forward. So this statement is uh, neither here nor there. Yeah. So this is yeah, what someone yeah, would say. Sense. So the only, the only p- reasonable, so people say that atheists or agnostics, or so this is more like a, a, an agnostic who says, I'm not sure. 
It could be, it uh, could not be, you know, for whichever proposition you're talking about. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Jordan, Brother Jordan's comment there. If they don't know, then they're not atheist. Technically speaking, they're more of a an agnostic. Um, so that's, I mean, that's how I would approach that because this is really, uh, it's not, it's just a cop-out. If you don't know, then okay, that's fine. Come back when you want to know or come back when you have a disagreement with me. Because at the moment you're disagreeing, yeah, you're no. just that, at the moment you're not disagreeing, you're just saying that you don't know. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Now the second question goes like I'd asked in, in the uh, last time you, as well. Before you ask the second one, I just want to ask Brother Ijaz if he wants to add anything to that at all. Sorry, uh, I was not able to hear the question. Oh, just... you're just ignoring the stream. Are you are you playing uh, video games in the back? What you I'm doing? not playing video games. I'm just joking. <laughs> and even if I were, even if I were, that's my right as a Trinidadian. Thank you. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, uh, Mir Razik, brother, you know this I don't yeah. know situation? If, if, if human beings operated like that and simply said, oh, that looks a little bit confusing or that looks a little bit like I might have to really start contemplating or thinking about things. I, I think it's easier just to say I don't know. We wouldn't have discovered anything. <clears throat> we wouldn't have had, we, we would we would still be walking around with fur around our waist yeah. and probably holding a stick, a sharpened stick, uh, and hunting animals, you know, and, and lighting fires with flint and rubbing sticks together. The whole progress of society and humanity is because when you don't know about something, you start to think about it, you start to contemplate, you start to evaluate the possibilities. Uh, you apply a probabilistic, perhaps, assessment. And then you might not necessarily reach absolute certainty, but you will actually reach, as I say, applying that probabilistic analysis, something that makes more sense or seems more reasonable to accept uh, than not to accept. You see, what, you see my point? So this, this Ibrahim, uh, Dr. Iran is perfectly correct where he says it is a cop-out because the reason why it's a cop-out is because often now the atheists or the agnostic, they know that actually once you start talking about the beginning of everything, you start talking about the, the beginning of time, of reality as we know it, uh, it all points to this first cause or this, uh, in, you know, this infinite, um, infinitely, uh, you know, a post-eternal, pre-eternal, a concept of 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 this uh, uh, necessary existence, and they know that that's where the conversation might lead to, and often it's just easier to say, "Well, I don't know," and I'm just going to suspend my thinking, and I'm just going to suspend, you know, uh, you know uh, any sort of uh, contemplation on this matter. It's often because of the consequences or where it might lead, rather than an honest open-minded approach that's that's my experience uh but please ask that, that makes complete sense please, please ask your second question <laughs> uh, yeah the second question i'd asked last time as well um the question was like why something can't come into existence from nothing okay uh brother ijaz have you finished the game or you can you want to answer Not this playing the game Not i'm just joking <laughs> but uh simply put everything must have a cause Everything which exists in time is a created entity because time works linearly. So in that on that basis, there must be a something to come from. We said that it comes from an agent which intentionally has the power and ability to create these things. And so that makes more sense as opposed to saying we have something, but it came from absolutely nothing whatsoever. There must be a creative agent or force behind to give things uh 
to give any created entity a plausible explanation for its existence. Yeah, alhamdulillah. And you know, uh, Mir, the brother Mir, the, the other thing is that it's it's a, it's a ludicrous uh, way of looking at things, really, because we would never attribute even a mosquito, the wing of the mosquito or a toothpick, uh, you know, or even a, even a speck of dust that we might just catch the eye of as it floats through the sun, sunlight in our bedroom or our room or whatever. We would never attribute that that thing could have come from nothing. It's intuitive. We know it has to have come from something. This is something intrinsic within the very makeup of who we are and, and, and how we see things. And I think it's denying that to try to argue that something could come from an absence of everything. In, and an absence of everything is not just material, it's even the potential. It doesn't even have a potential to bring something into existence. So it even lacks the very potential, and yet you're saying something can still come out of absolute nothingness. And I think it goes against everything that we know, everything that we believe, everything that we accept. And it's, you know, when they say special pleading, where we they say, oh, you're just putting God, of, God in the gaps. Well, I would say that you're just putting, you know, something coming from nothing in the gaps because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And I think for the vast majority of people, and I would say probably 99.99% of the people, if they were to really sit there carefully and think about things, I don't think they would ever say from an absence of everything, even potential, that you can get something. I think that it's it's a silly idea, really. Uh, Dr. Imran, yeah. do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, basically it's given me the first miracle and then I can explain the rest. Um, and this is the problem. Um, if you're going to argue from a um, perspective of things uh, coming about and you say there is nothing at all, nothing at all, no particles, no energy, no matter, no uh, quantum fields, no nothing, no potential, and then to say it popped into existence, uh, I want this miracle and then I can explain the rest of it. Uh, the problem is they're popping into existence. That's what we need to discuss. Um, so if someone makes that claim, then you have to get them to explain. So what someone like uh, Professor Krauss has done in his book, uh, We Need a Universe from Nothing, is he's made a very catchy title, A Universe from Nothing, because most people just read the title and maybe the contents page in the first part of the introduction before they put the book away. But actually, if you read the book, he's not talking about a universe coming from nothing. He's talking about a universe coming from quantum events, which is the opposite of nothing. It is something. So um, it's very important yeah. to understand that. Uh, what the, what's being asked for is give us a miracle and then we'll explain the rest. Yeah, that's that's clear. All right. Alhamdulillah, brother. Jazakallah I'm, I'm happy that you've uh, um, okay. you've had the, uh, the okay. answers that I have a small question about the slavery. Not a small question. Can I ask? Um, it's probably not the right stream because it's Dawa Clinic. But let's say if somebody it's was to very... ask you, if somebody was to ask you this question about slavery, how would I? How would you answer it? Well, okay, why why don't you ask us the question as it would be asked in that way? Go on. Okay, for example, there's an area the Muslims have covered it. Yeah. Is it all the women uh, of the non-Muslims, uh, they will be, uh, you know, made the slave, they made the sex slaves 
uh, all the non-Muslims living in that area, or it's only those non-Muslim, uh, I mean, the females who have come uh, into the battlefield to fight against the Muslims. Well, first of all, this <laughs> brother, brother Mir, first of all, there is no such concept as sex slaves in Islam. This is a complete nonsense, and this is a slur uh, that often the Christians use against Islam. Uh, I would argue that uh, you find in the Old Testament uh, references that you could argue uh, where it was sex slavery, but in Islam, it most certainly is not the case. But I will let uh, um, Ijaz start with the question, inshallah, and then uh, Dr. Imran. Uh, thank you so much, Uncle Abba. Well, uh, alhamdulillah. Sorry, I, I alhamdulillah. Any, anything that's a little bit difficult and controversial, you know, I'd like it does okay. and, and Dr. Imran to well, answer it. I don't. I personally, don't think, I personally don't think there's anything controversial about it at all. No, but uh, no. but uh, it's it's still uh, it's nice to guys see make you. them clip that uh, you know that statement he just made. Nothing controversial about it. Okay. Yeah. So there was no concept I would argue of uh, sex slavery in Islam, right? Um, I would follow up this up with saying that uh, Brother Abbas is correct, Uncle Abbas is right. I think in Numbers 31, I think verses 14 to 18 is where you find an actual uh, explicit definition of what concubinage or sex slavery would be in the Christian and Judaic sense. But in Islam, we don't have something which is equivalent to that, I would say, specifically. Secondly, um, people may not be aware of this. But the ruling for uh, 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 women who uh, exist in battlefields and are left there after a devastating battle has occurred, in order for there to be any any relationship between a Muslim man and any of those women, this is under the, the purview of the Amir. The Amir determines whether such relationships can occur whatsoever. And so in most cases, we don't find it today that we would find any scholar saying that an Amir has permitted this, right? That's the second thing. The third thing here would be that uh, there is no such thing as, uh, there's an ayah in the Quran which commands the Muslims that if this wants to occur and the Muslims did uh, have permission to engage with women uh, after a battle has occurred, then prostitution is haram. And sex slavery is something in which there is a lack of consent, lack of permission, and actual violence against a woman. And this is forbidden uh, in that ayah. The fourth and last thing here is uh, the lack of agency, right? In the Quran, women have the right, uh, sorry, within the prophetic sunnah, we have the women have the right to seek relief and divorce from men that they have uh, entered into relationships with in a halal and permissible way. And so that removes the concept altogether of there being any form of slavery in regards to women not having agency in their lives. If you want to ask, is there something equivalent as uh, in Islam of concubinage as you find in the Bible or as you find in the New Testament, the answer is going to be no, such an equivalent does not occur and so we can't use the term sex slavery, or I would even argue concubinage, unless we really, really qualify it. And I don't think it'll be even similar to that. So the concepts are not similar. That's my answer. I could be wrong. Maybe Uncle Dr. Imran, uh, who's an expert actually in answering this question, I think he is better equipped. Alhamdulillah. What brother Jazakallah um, was that? Did you understand the answer, Brother Amir? Was that okay for you? Or? 
Yeah, but uh, there's a question that, uh, for example, the brother mentioned that you can't have intercourse with a, uh, with a, a slave without her consent. Forced intercourse with a slave without there being the Amir to oversee that process. It's a process which occurs and there must be some level of consent because there is the concept of sab or forced intercourse in Islam and this is punishable by death. So let me let me try and because uh, your question was about um, because what you're asking really is a historical question. You're, you're not asking about contemporary uh, anything at all because this is not this is talking about a, con a historical issue. Um, so just so that because you, you seem to it, it made me laugh because you know you the phrase you used was you went straight to sex slavery and I was like where is this coming from? This is like the this is like what an anti uh, you know Islamophobic sort of website would would present something like this as, and there's no such thing as sex slavery in Islam, full stop, go on. Just to interrupt, and I, I am curious, uh, Brother Mir, have you ever heard of an imam or a scholar in your region using the term sex slavery or giving a lecture on it? No, I, I watch videos online, you know, talking about the sex slavery. That's why I mentioned the term. But it's not something you've experienced in real life where you there's a book written in your masjid and it's distributed or there's a sheikh in your no, no, area. No. no? Okay. So. Yeah. No. This is, the this, problem. Is, this is why Brother Mir, you know, sorry, Dr. Imran, this is why Brother Mir, we need to be careful that we don't start labeling things in the way that Islamophobes <clears throat> and the haters of Islam label things we we need to adopt the language that's within islam and within our tradition and describe things in that way because that's that's a more holistic honest and clear approach uh, i'm not criticizing you i'm just saying this is a general no it's okay yeah just a general advice to all brothers and sisters is that don't fall for this type of labeling um that is applied by by the west um, you know, because it really isn't an honest way of dealing with these subjects. Um, uh, Dr. Imran, sorry, please do continue if you're able to. <clears throat> you're just muted, Imran. I just wanted to outline a couple of principles for you so that you can you can put your understanding of this into a frame framework. Yeah. And so so. When you come to when you come to think about this to try to understand this, you'll have a better understanding of how the historical context was and how Islam dealt with this sort of issue. So, just so this might be a little bit, I'm just talking at you, but I'm trying to give you sort of a background. So, feel free to sort of come back afterwards and ask some questions. But the first thing is, um, slavery is is existed in every culture and society uh, from before Islam. So it's not something that. Uh, it was already there when Islam, uh, when the Prophet peace be upon him, was uh, born, and when, you know he was born into an environment where this already existed. It was unrestricted. What does that What does that mean? That that meant that means that anyone could be enslaved. If you were, if you had the might, you could just take anyone walking off the street and you could enslave them. And there were no restrictions on what you did to the person or not did didn't do to the person that you had. You can make them work to death. You could beat them to death. You could. You know, uh, force them to have intercourse. You could, uh, you know, pimp them out. There was no restrictions whatsoever. Okay, when the Prophet peace be upon him came, one of the th and, and Islam, I would argue that Islam uh, had a systematic approach to eliminate slavery. I would say this, 
uh, based upon the things that I've read. But what Islam did, first thing it did was it restricted all uh, mechanisms of enslavement. You cannot enslave anybody. All the mechanisms were a slave, and there was one exception only, and that was that exception was uh, in the battlefield. So why was this an exception? Why was it an exception? So the way that the tradition of the Arabs were, the way they would go into battle is if they were coming to fight another tribe, they would bring with them their gold, and they would bring with them their women and children. And the idea behind this was a motivation. If you see your wealth and your loved ones, you would go and then you would mukit lives don't matter. If you see your motivation, if you, that would motivate you to fight harder. Now the problem yeah. with this, the problem with this is that I want you to imagine this now. There is a battlefield. There are uh, sorry, just give me one second. Uh, apologies, sorry. So the so if you imagine this, so you have a battlefield. Two battles are coming together to fight. Uh, uh, two uh, tribes are coming together to fight, and they've they've brought their women and children, and they fight. And then one tribe kills, and the men are fighting. Obviously, the women wouldn't be in the battlefield. So the one tribe kills all of the uh, women, the men of the other tribe, or they or they run away. And it, and the battlefields were not like, oh yeah, I'm going to jump on the bus and I'll be five minutes and I'm there. It takes you weeks or months to travel to these places. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. So when the, when the Muslim when the when the Prophet upon me all of the all of the mechanisms of enslavement were restricted apart from this and the one and there's a reason for this so imagine there's a Muslim tribe a Muslim are fighting against another tribe who brought all their women and their gold etc and the men are defeated and they run or they run away and now you're left in the battlefield in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere with all of these women and children and the their gold. Now, a famous example of this is the Battle of Altas, which is used to try and, uh, you know, um, put Muslims down, but actually works in the favor of the Muslims. So what uh, what happens? So what happens in that scenario? What do you do? You leave the women and children in the desert and, and, and just take the gold and go? Or is that what you do? Because they would die. No food, yeah. no way to travel, no protection. They would die, right? Yeah, right. So what happens is that you take these women in, in your charge, these women and children, you take them into your charge. And this is, it is the leader who would uh, do this. Now, uh, I'll give the example of the Battle of Otas. So what happened is that when you when you take these people into your charge, um, the the idea that people have is, oh, men start doing all these horrible things. To these, not, not, allowed, not at all, not allowed. What would happen is that the... Um, the, the, because there were these people, these women were taken into um, custody. Let's put that, and then they would be, they would be there, and then then they're taken back after a certain amount of time. They're taken back to wherever the um, the the Muslims were. So if it's their city or their town, they would accompany them back to this area. So and that, like I said, takes a few weeks or a month maybe to travel back to your place, depending on the distance from where you are. You're feeding these women and children, etc. And you and then in that point when you're there. This is when, when you have uh, that scenario where now you have this large group of women from an opposing tribe who are trying to battle you with their children, etc. What would you, what would you do in in a modern society? They would probably imprison them or they would intern them in a camp or something like this. But this is not the the this is these prison systems were not available at the time. What happened was actually that the 
the the the people are distributed into the different households of the people who fought in the battle to to work. So this is uh, indentured servitude. Okay, but even this is but even this type of servitude, there are rules within it. So the Prophet gave gave rules. So uh, clothe them with what you're wearing, feed them from what you're eating. Don't overwork them. If the work is too heavy, help them with their work. So there's lots of rules and restrictions. And I'll give you one example, uh, a very, very important example. There was a uh, uh, seven brothers who had one female slave who would cook and clean for them. And in, during the time of the Prophet upon him, one of them uh, slapped her. Okay? You, yeah. You've heard of this one before? You've heard this before? It's quite a famous one. No, I had on. Okay. So she went to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and complained that this this uh, person has slapped me. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, called all of the brothers. They came, and they said, and the bro older brothers said, you know, uh, it was our younger brother. He's a bit hot headed. He d he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really um, uh, and he did this out of anger. And it was a f we're very sorry, but if we don't, if she's not with us, then we have no one to cook and clean. What do you think the Prophet did at that stage? I don't know. He freed her. Yeah, I think he ordered he ordered to free her, he, uh, and then and then they said, "But we don't have any helpers or this yeah. that, and the other." And I think then there was some reconciliation. But the initially, quite right. Initially, he instructed them to free to free her because they slept. So now, now the question follows: If he wouldn't allow this woman to be slapped, <clears throat> do you think he would allow her to be raped? No. No. Hundred percent. No. And this is the framework in which you must think about uh, how Islam approaches this. So now there's now let me give you some of the scenarios. If a if a uh, if if a husband is captured with the wife in the battlefield, they stay together. Their marriage is subsisting. It carries on. Do you understand? Yeah. They're not. They they, they stay together and they and their marriage carries on and they're kept together. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? If um. Because this is how this is how the procedure, the process was done. Now, the, the there are now the, there is there is a situation where if you if the woman consents, because this is going to be this is the controversial part of it. So, marriage is um, a, a person agreeing to take over the care and of another of of a, of, a, of a woman. So, this usually between the the contract is between actually the father and the son. And what they with the consent of the wife to say that we're I am taking responsibility for looking after this person from you, and I'm uh, I will take look after this person. Now, in a scenario where someone is already in a position where they're looking after somebody, um, and that person may have they ha they have options. So that if if a if there's a someone if a woman is 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 in gentle servitude in a particular home and she wants to marry someone you your the quran has an ayah that says that you have to facilitate these marriages you help these people to get married you're not allowed to prevent this but if they want to um uh, be intimate with the person who's actually looking after them then they have that option as well as long as they consent this is all about a consent based process now it's not it's not this like this consent we understand today where you know you say uh, you know do you consent? It's much more subtle and uh, you know natural than that. Okay, but you would not allow to force yourself on anyone at all. That's the basic understanding. Okay, so this idea of sex slavery is not allowed. And brother uh, Abbas and brother Ajaz has already mentioned the ayah that refers to the fact that um, you cannot use your the, these women or for slavery in terms of uh, sorry sex slavery in terms of prostitution. You can't do that. 
if if the idea was you could do whatever you want without their consent, then why would this be prohibited? Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now I'm going to give you a so there's and there's lots of other rules, there's lots of other uh, technicalities within this, but um this is just to give you the understanding that this not this is not the case. Now going back to the Battle of Altas, I just want to give you the historical context. What happened in this case? Men and women are captured. Uh, women were captured. The men had run away or were killed in the battle. Then what happened? The Prophet, peace upon him, he waited in this place. He waited. What was he waiting for? Why did he not leave straight away? You've won the battle. Uh, he waited for the, the any any men who were remaining to come back and claim the women uh, and uh, and the children. That's what the Prophet, peace upon him, was waiting for. And actually, a a, 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 a group of them did come back to the Prophet peace in the in that same place. And they said to the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, we've come uh, for um, to as a delegation because, you know, our women and children are with you. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, look, I have your women and children and I have your gold. You can choose either of them. Now, yeah. I want you to imagine this. You're in complete control. You've already defeated them in battle. You have everything, women and children with you and the gold is with you. You can say, look, get lost. Yeah, yeah, that makes I'm sense not, because that. Well, what the prophet, he waited. Why was he waiting? Because he wanted them to come back. Yeah. And what the prophet said said, okay, you, you can choose. Either you can have your wealth or you can have your honor. And they said, we will have our honor. And the prophet and all of all of the women and children were returned back, all of them. I think one elderly lady, elderly woman, might be an exception because because even when they were being returned, they were being asked a question: Do you want to go back? Subhanallah, imagine the, even that at that point the women were being asked, do you want to go back to your families or not? And so they were all returned. Now, uh, there was one elderly woman who I think she, she refused, from what I understand, to refuse to go back, but everyone else returned. Now, this tells you this tells you the approach. It's not about capturing. It's about actually protection. And it's about actually uh, finding a, a system in which these people can be uh, reintegrated into the, into, into the society in, in a, in, in a uh, holistic way. And this is one way of mechanism of doing it. Now, but this thing doesn't really apply in today's world. Do you understand? And it's, so it's a historical yeah. discussion about... So I did a video on this a long time ago on EF Dower, about 45 minutes where I went through examples of this. And I think it's really important to maybe... Um, have a look at that video we'll put the link up at some point or, or uh, either in the description or actually we'll put it up in the uh, comments but i don't i want you to get this idea out of your mind of sex slavery no such thing in islam yeah could you please mention the books um of hadith in which these these things are mentioned you know uh, yeah, so this in particular video I did, everything is referenced so in you'll see in that the video yeah in that video the reference to everything is 45 minutes and it's referenced. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it was a marvelous explanation. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair, brother. May Allah accept, you know, accept, uh, if anything's wrong, it's from me, but uh, inshallah, um, uh, and anything that's right is from Allah. But inshallah, I've done my best to try and be as faithful as I can. It was, it was beautiful. My, my, my concept, Shazan, is a clear now. Uh, brother Mir, also, um, uh, Jazakallah khair, Dr. Imran, mashallah, very thorough explanation. Um, uh, one of the things, you know, when these questions come up in Dawah, uh, it's very, very good to, for, for them to define the terms and define why and when something is right or wrong. So one of the concepts I, I, I love, which I learned myself from um, Sapiens Institute, I know I probably plug them a lot because much like they've been a good resource for me as well. It, it's this video uh, in Sapiens Institute. It's about slavery, Muhammad Hijab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have watched a part of it. Right. So that's a really good video. Now, if, if for dawah purposes you want to learn 
some of the technicalities and, and the discussions that are in this video. They're very, very good for our purposes. And, and one of the main things that I took away from this is uh, when you, you have to ask the question, is it categorically wrong? Yeah. Is, it, is it categorically wrong or is it consequentially wrong? And that's what this video addresses. And it's a really good way, I think, of approaching this situation and really defining those terms from the very uh, foundation before you get into the nitty gritty of, uh, of all the, you know, deep, uh, detailed, mashallah, uh, explanation, which mashallah, Dr. Imran beautifully alluded to. But brother, Jazakallah khair for coming on, inshallah ta'ala. Thank, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. The questions were answered in a way that you found helpful, inshallah. And this is the um, video, uh, that link that Dr. Imran has just put up uh, on foundational thoughts of uh, Dr. Imran's channel. Uh, and it's on the EFR as well. So just this is the EFR. You can access it here as well. And, and and I think that goes through all the detailed explanation about it as well. And I think it's good to learn about these things because, unfortunately, these sort of questions do seem to come up over and over again. Uh, so we should, uh, you know, uh, become well-versed as to what our religion uh, actually says on, on the matter. But Jazakallah khair for coming on, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Okay, alhamdulillah. Um, guys, if you could please uh, leave your cameras on in the back. Uh, Muhammad Gawar, if you could just give me a quick wave. Quick wave, brother. If you could wave. Lovely. We're going to get you on next. You can turn your camera off. And uh, Nulu Nulu, you need to be in a very well-lit room, not look like you're in some sort of uh, a dark den. And, uh, you know, with a full niqab on, just your eyes showing through is not going to get you on the stream, I'm afraid. So we, we're going to need to see your face clearly. Uh, and that's for legal reasons, because we do record the screen uh, to ensure um, that, you know, we have some comeback if there is something that's untoward uh, that is shown on the screen. So if you want to get on the screen, onto the uh, show, you are going to have to identify yourself a little bit better than that. Uh, Mohammed Gawar, welcome, uh, welcome to the stream, brother. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Wa alaikum salam, brother. How are you? Alhamdulillah. So, yeah, so like, is it noisy right now? Background is nice. Yeah, there's a little bit of noise in the background. If you just quickly shall I ask you a question, then we'll uh, mute you while we're answering so we don't get that background noise coming through. Okay, all right. So, you know, that Eidul Adha is coming up. Okay, so I have a question on that one. So, how, what are the criteria? Like, I have, I have given zakat and my wife also not working but based on her gold i it is given zakat so whoever obligated on the zakat they have to give or is it uh, brother Muhammad, family one brother Muhammad, this type yeah. of question you definitely need to ask your local uh, imam uh, and your local authority in, ter in terms of exactly uh, the, the the criteria because this is a fiqh question and it depends sometimes sometimes it can depend upon uh, the fiqh, the rulings that you're following. So I would, I would urge you ask your local imam. Inshallah, they should know, or at least they will have, they will definitely have some sort of contact with somebody who can inform you on these matters. Was there, was there an, another question that you had, or was this the only one? Uh, I have another question also. So the people are here sometimes giving in the name of Prophet Muhammad also Kurbani. So I told it is not allowed. Um, so I explained some people here are not educated as well. Sometimes they think that uh, 
on their giving on the people that let us assume my mother in law's father was passed away this year so they are giving in the name of the dead person i told it is i don't know whether it is allowed in the islam or not yeah so i would go out from my understanding and of course i'm not giving a fatwa here but to, to give a share of your qurbani and say to allah that can you please uh, do this on on behalf of uh, rasulullah Uh, uh, from my understanding, this is acceptable. Now, I might be wrong on this, but don't take this up from me. But again, I would say, ask this question to your local imam uh, and possibly a mufti, local mufti, uh, who will give you a fiqhi ruling on that. Um, but uh, my understanding is that you can um, do qurbani, give sadaqah for your deceased as well. So, for example, you can say for my grandfather, for my grandmother, Ya Allah, please, um, uh, I'm giving the sadaqah. Can you include them in my share? Uh, I mean, we pray for the ummah. We pray for all our deceased, don't we? We say, Ya Allah, all our deceased Muslim brothers and sisters, give them maghfirah, forgive their sins, elevate elevate them in the hereafter. We give dua um, for, for that as well. But I would definitely ask this again to the imam uh, or the local mufti, uh, the local scholar. Dr. Imran, did, did you want to add anything to that or is that sufficient? No, no, I think you've, you, you've said that's fine, inshallah. So, yes, you know, technically, essentially the... For the dead, you can uh, you can make the intention for these things for them, and uh, there are there are lots of people, uh, and lots of scholars who have said actually for the Prophet peace be upon him, even among the Madayib, that you can give uh, um, a sacrifice on behalf of the Prophet peace be upon him. So it's really good. This is why it's really important to maybe find uh, a local imam in your area or a local scholar in your area who who is of the mother that you're. Uh, practicing so they can give you advice related to that and clarify so um i think that would be useful to do and it's good if you have a difficulty making contacts please let us know and we can put you in touch uh, so you can always email us and we can put you okay. in touch with someone in your local area that would be uh, useful for you to interact with inshallah in this regard Jazakallah yeah, brother Muhammad, for coming on yeah actually the, the thing is why i asked this question because i want the source of the information because a random Anybody can tell anything, so yes, that's why the reason I approach you people. No yeah, but I understand. Are, <laughs> yeah, sorry. So what I would say is that uh, even though we're we're on the internet, that so we are also really in the terms of this term, we are random people because yeah. you need to go to scholars if you want to clarify scholarly knowledge with references. But this is, I think, this is quite well known. But you, this is important to be in touch with the scholars around you so that you can clarify these things on a, on a regular basis. We are we are essentially lay Muslims who our yes. Our experiences in dawah, which is why we do this, but we're not, uh, we're not able to give you fatwas, etc. We're not qualified for that. Uh, may Allah make it easy for everyone, inshallah. Yeah, just one more last question on this one. Uh, so, so when I am giving zakat, so people, some people in local, they were saying even imam also I asked, they told we have to give only to Muslims, but I don't see any evidence because during Prophet Rasulullah that time most of the people were non-Muslims, so. uh why we are not allowed to give zakat to sadaqa i understand sadaqa we are giving but uh sadaqa is allowed to non muslim understand why not zakat yes yeah, yeah, so brother again this brother this is still a fiqhi question uh, and 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 zakat is there are some specific requirements for zakat which is the compulsory charity that we muslims have to give and there is a voluntary charity which is called sadaqa that we have we can give which is optional and you know we can help the blind organizations or we can help the non-muslims or there's a homeless person we can buy him food and we don't have to inquire whether he's muslim or christian or jew or atheist uh, we can give sadqa in this sense um uh, 
to to uh, you know to help uh, non-Muslims as well. But uh, again, it's a fiqh question. I think, brother, ask the the, the local imam, ask the uh, the local mufti. If you don't find an answer, go to another scholar, inshallah, ta'ala, to try to get the reasons as to why that is the case. But uh, we, we have, mashallah, compulsory charity. We have voluntary charity. And there's a lot of voluntary charity that, that does find its way into uh, non-Muslim hands as well. Uh, because this is our, 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 our goal as Muslims is to help uh, humanity. But just like every family, you have to look after your family first. So this is why zakat, for example can be given to certain family members, right? Uh, you can't give it to your wife because she's a dependent upon you. But there are uh, there are uh, certain family members that you can give zakat first to who are in debt or have uh, financial, real financial difficulties, problems. They may be eligible for zakat and you might be able to give it to your own family. So um, I hope that answers the question, brother. Jazakallah khair for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Wa alaikum um, uh, Sister Nulu Nulu, if you can just put your camera on again and I can just interact with you. Just give me a quick wave. Thank you. Okay, you can turn your camera off, Sister, and we're going to get you on next. Uh, uh, welcome to the stream, Sister. Are you there, Sister? Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum uh, actually, I have two questions I want to ask. Uh, but the first one is, uh, as the Muslims, do we believe in jinn? Uh, sister, if you could just hold the microphone a little bit closer because we're struggling to hear you. Uh, what I'm asking is, uh, as the Muslims, do we believe in jinn? Do we believe in jinn? Yes. Yeah. It, the Quran clearly says that um, uh, the Quran clearly says that uh, Allah has created the jinn and the ins. In other words, Allah has created uh, the jinn and He's created insan, human beings, uh, for no other reason but to worship Allah. And and this is quite clear. And we have hadith, authentic hadith of the Prophet sallallahu where he's also had some interaction. Uh, with jinn where he's given them dawah and actually they have accepted Islam as well. So, um, yes, we do believe in jinn. Okay. Uh, the main question is, I am, I, I went as a Muslim in Africa, but in our family there is some magics, maybe I call that, but uh, as me, I don't believe in that. But they believe in that because uh, sometimes they give them some advices and also some protection. But as me, I don't believe it. But I remember I was like 10 years. Uh, then that thing, uh, they can, uh, I, I don't know, and I can explain that, but there is something came in there. I undress your body and they start talking, but you're not the one, but there is something else came into your body and started talking as a person. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I was never believing that. But one day they asked me, why you don't pray? I was really young. I said, why? Oh, I have to pray. Then it was really tough on us, why you don't have to pray? And also why we don't learn to read the Quran. And also, uh, I was like to singing halam songs. 
then they came and told me that you don't have to sing haram songs and you have to stop singing that songs. They told me that what did I have to say every time? They told me, Subhanallah, Walhamdulillah, Wala ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. Those things I have to uh, sing every time and every day instead of singing Haram songs. So I actually I've been thinking about those things, and also since since I was young until now, I still uh, say that du'as. But I really don't know is that genes or maybe some black magic so. Yeah, so sister, um, when it comes to uh, magic, black magic, uh, you know, can I just clarify, clarifying question? Please, please go ahead, so, go on. sister. Who is telling you these things? Family members. Our family members, especially my mom, is like a witchcraft, but is not uh, because when someone is uh, sick, he he or she came in our house. Uh, she usually to go in the mountain and get some medicine there. And give that person and get a quick recovery. But I don't know. I never, you know. Okay. Uh, brother, yeah. uh, bus carry on and I'll... I'll no, yeah. So, sister, we should just completely stay away from all types of magic, black magic. This is all haram. We're told completely stay away from this. To, to delve into it or to enter into it means that you lose your iman. One of the conditions okay. of doing black magic is you have to literally denounce Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to commit kufr, uh, the, yeah. you know, disbelief. So we are warned severely, stay away from all of these things. And we should yeah. most definitely not drink any potions or anything that somebody gives us. Um, okay. We should not delve in this. We should not go near this. Uh, and all yeah. of our help... And okay. all of our, uh, you know, prayers are always directed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't, uh, we don't appeal for help to any jinn or to anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is shirk, to believe that something else has power to help you in any way. This is a form of shirk, of associating partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my advice to you is stay away from it. And anyone who goes near it, really you should advise them the same uh, and I'm sure the brothers can give you, uh, there are definitely verses in the Quran and there are definitely hadith that would clarify this uh, in detail. But yeah. we should definitely stay away from these things. These things do exist. Uh, magic does exist. Jinns do exist. But we're not superstitious. We don't believe everything. Sometimes something happens. It's a jinn and it's uh, magic. But we know that these things do exist. There's a lot of evidence to support that they do exist. Uh, but we should definitely stay clear of them. Uh, Dr. Imran, sorry, you wanted to come in there as well. Oh, yeah. Basically, I was going to reiterate what the brother said. So there are lots of cultures, and it's not just limited to Africa, unfortunately. There are lots of cultures where... Um, people do turn to things like um, what they would say magic, and people use this term black magic and white. But they're not just all magic is the same, has the same status. It's not something that's allowed. And what the um, the the really important thing is is that magic was initially the, this sort of uh, type of thing was revealed initially by two angels as a test for the people 
uh, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, here we go. Someone's put the eye up, mashallah there. And it was revealed as a test. And the and the and when the angels were giving this information, they were saying to the people, this is a test from Allah. And the people were still using it because it gave them the ability at that time was to uh, put a, separate a husband and a wife. So it would break up the marriage. Um, but there are the, people have uh, sort of continued these types of things. And even in the time of the companions, there there are cases of uh, one of the wives of one of the companions had a twitch in her eye. And she went to a, a gentleman who was not a Muslim and she said, you know, uh, he gave her some potion or something like this and it, and it went away. And she told the, the the companion, the companion was very upset and said, actually, it would have been a jinn who was prodding your eye. And when you did the shirk, I relied on something other than Allah, he, he let you go. And so we know that uh, the, the the agency of uh, the people who do these things is what they work with the jinn to try and carry these things out. The jinn are a type of creation that have a different uh, physical uh, limitation. So they can, they're not visible to us. They uh, they have the ability to travel large distances without, um, uh, without seemingly to take much time. Um, so things can appear and disappear. So people... And they don't, and there's no one can control these. So whoever works with them to bring these effects about, they have to compromise themselves in terms of their iman and in their deen, and they end up in a very bad situation at the end, uh, where they're totally, uh, you know, away from Allah and and bereft. And they do this to try and mislead the people. So all I'm all I'm giving you this background is just so that you know that. We should stay away from anything that's related to this, be that uh, magic or, or people giving you potions to sort of protect you or even things to wrap around you or to tie around you to give you protection. Because ultimately, this the only one who has uh, the, the control over the universe, that Abubia, is belongs to Allah. And one of the important things that we can do, so the Prophet peace upon him has told us how to protect ourselves from this. Mm -hmm. So the, the last two uh, surahs in the Quran, uh, Surah Falakhul Nas, mm -hmm. you can recite those. You can recite um, Ayatul Qursi, who will protect you from the jinn. And also you can recite the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. And all these things are known to be a protection from uh, uh, from uh, this sort of thing. So do that on a regular basis, sister. Uh, Allah protect you because you're in a, it sounds like you're in a situation where this is quite prevalent within the family. But what you should try and do is maybe uh, if you can send us an email and we can send you some of the ayahs that you can or the hadith that you can show to the family to get them to maybe understand that they should try to avoid this um, type of thing. Uh, may, Allah, may Allah guide everyone closer closer to the truth, inshallah. Amen. Okay, thank you so much. I don't say I have something else I want to ask. Uh, Therefore, why is there always uh, be tough on us? Why we don't have to pray and believe in Allah? I asking why, why, why they do that? Every time we have to pray, every time we have to do that, especially about to deen to Allah. Every time, every time, they're very tough on us. Um, I, I didn't quite catch that. You don't understand the question, sister. If you want to. Who's being told? Well, uh, what I'm asking is uh, why every time those things uh, they are very strict on us. We have to believe in Allah. We have to do good things about Allah and uh, reading Quran, pray every every uh, five five times in a day. We read the Quran. I don't know why they are very strict on us. Uh, who, who, are very, who, who are very strict on that, sister? Uh, 
know the, those magics, those magics. I don't know if they are magic. So I don't know even how so one can that. What can happen, sister, is because no one is going to t- people who are doing things that are um, from the jinn or magic. Or, no, no one will come to you and say, "Let's go to the hellfire." What they're going to the, the way they will mislead you is by giving you um, uh, things that seem good. But it, uh, either taking you too far, so the religion becomes a burden for you, or they will uh, start off with something good and slowly drag you away from this. The the thing to be and and the one of the main reasons why people I've seen uh, who carry out these sorts of things uh, is that they have this they put on a show of religiosity to cover the things they inside. So this is why they come across as being very, very religious and they're being strict with you. Mm-hmm. And it's they're, it's almost like they're pretending that they're carrying out the act of looking like a very good Muslim, but underneath there is only disease and decay. So don't make that confuse you about the religion. These people who are doing these things are, not, are, are doing the opposite of what the religion is teaching. And they're telling mm-hmm. you to do good things almost as a trick to get you to believe what they're saying and, and take their things. Do you understand, sister? Yes, I understand. Okay. Uh, and also another thing I want to ask, uh, as uh, someone did before, uh, can we get some con- connection with him? Because uh, my my father passed away when uh, I was seven years. Until now, I never think about him. I never prayed about him. But uh, last week, I had a dream. Uh, he told me why I don't um, give her where he's here. I don't know. Is that possible? Oh, he told me where well, yeah, I pray five times a day. I do everything as a good Muslim. But he, I had a dream, my father asking me, why I don't make it to her? Brother Ajaz, did you want to see? I didn't quite understand. I didn't get that. I didn't understand. I think the sister had a dream of her father, but that's all I understood. Yes, I'm asking. Uh, my fa- I had a dream about my father. He told me that why I don't make it up for him. He okay. passed away while I was seven years. Until now, I never dreamed about him. I never think about him. But I had that dream. He told me that why I don't make it up for him. Because I pray, I do everything. I'm a good Muslim, alhamdulillah. But I don't know that dream, how it comes on me. I think Dr. Iman, uh, you want to take this one? So, uh, so sister, the, the dreams are of three types. So one, they can be um, uh, they, they can be uh, dreams for, from from Allah because we know that a portion of the this type of dream is uh, is available. The second type is that uh, this this can be your just your thoughts that were in the day that come to you, so random things. And the third thing can be from Shaitan. Now, the thing to for you is don't dwell too much about the dream but actually think to yourself um am, am i making uh, am, am i doing the things that i need to do because you are your daughter you are the daughter of your father that means the things that you do they can benefit him in the sense that he taught you these things or how to live in the world and so you you become from his actions so Allah talks about the only thing that we will leave behind for the people will be their footprints their footsteps and what these refers to in the Quran is that actually the your children and how they are and how they act. 
And the Prophet, peace be upon him, said that, you know, uh, once you die, all of your deeds are st good deeds are stopped except for three. And amongst the three things, one of them is the a good ch uh, Salih child praying for you or doing good actions on your behalf. So what you what you can do is remember that in our salah, we make the dua for the parents anyway. You know, the yeah. end of our salah, we make that dua and it's part is for the family and for the for our elderly anyway, uh, for our parents. So the thing to do is uh, take it as a positive thing rather than a negative thing and yeah. make, dua, make, uh, make dua for your father. May Allah forgive his shortcomings. May Allah give him uh, al-firdaus and uh, may Allah um, uh, give him the highest uh, in paradise. And I think that I this is, otherwise don't let it bother you too much, sister. If you start to think why now, why later, we we maybe have no access to the timings and why this is like this. If that's useful, sister, inshallah. So make dua for him on a regular basis for your parents, for the elderly, uh, for those that have passed away, inshallah. May, yeah, may but uh, uh, but the, the last question, please. Okay, inshallah. I'll try and help. Uh, I heard some imam saying that when someone passed away, when you make it uh, for him or her, that dua cannot be uh, replaceable. So I don't know. Is that possible? Because my father, who wasn't a Muslim before, but alhamdulillah, he passed away while he's a Muslim. Uh, so is that good to make a dua? Can Allah accept that dua? Because I heard some imam saying that you don't have to make a dua to that people who passed away because the so, dua Allah cannot accept so we don't, that dua. When we make dua, sister, we make dua no. to Allah. Not to the person that's passed away. Do you understand? I don't. Yeah. I don't know if there's a language issue, but the, it sounds like you're saying make dua to the person. So we can't make dua to anyone except to Allah. Yeah. Do you understand? And we pray to Allah. So we say, Allah, um, you know, may you pr please forgive the sins of my father. Please grant him al-firdaus. You know, you. This is the dua that you make. You pray to Allah because Allah is the only one that can answer the prayer. The, the yeah. dua, do you understand? So you oh. can make dua for the people, but you make dua to Allah for them. Do you understand who have passed away? Yes, I understand. Shukran wa okay. Sister, you take Okay, Alhamdulillah. Um, it seems that it's myself in the room, so I don't know who is next. Let me see who has their microphone on. Um. So the order looks like his brother, just a Muslim. Uh, brother, if you could just wait for me, please, inshallah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So brother Abbas is probably praying, and when he returns, I'll swap over with him. Um, but what I will do is I'll bring you on now, inshallah, and then we can, uh, let me just remove this sister, and I'll bring you on, inshallah. Now you can turn your microphone off, inshallah. Yes, alaikum. as brother. May Allah accept, uh, reward you for your efforts. I mean, inshallah, and, and likewise yourself. Jazakallah for coming on. How can we help, brother? What's the thought on your mind? What's the question? Yeah, so uh, I have a question regarding the um, hadith that uh, is talking about the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, confronting the woman um, in Medina uh, when he's talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, the uh, um, he's talking about uh, lack of common sense or reduction, um, um, full comprehension. You know, uh, your, are you aware of, of this hadith? Uh, no, uh, not, not how you're phrasing it, brother. What's the hadith? I I, I have the, uh, the the link right here. You can post it in the private chat and I'll bring yes, it up. Yes, in, in, in the private chat. Okay, I have posted sure. it. 
Okay, sorry, let me just bring this up. Give me two seconds. Uh, sorry, just give me two seconds while I get this. Okay. So this is uh, the book of faith, clarifying that faith decreases with shortcomings and obedience. Okay. Oh, women folk, you should certainly, you should give charity and ask much forgiveness. For I saw you in bulk amongst the daughters of hell, a wise lady amongst them said, why is it? Uh, upon this, the prophet answered, you curse too much, you're ungrateful for your spouse, and I've seen one lacking in common sense and failing in religion, robbing uh, the wisdom of the wise beside you. Upon this, the woman remarked, what is wrong with our common sense and religion? Lack of common sense is that the evidence of two women is okay, and then the prophet the, and the proof of the lack of common sense, and then they, you spend some nights in which you do not offer prayer and the month of Ramadan, and you do not observe the fact, the fast that is the failing in the religion. So, what was yeah. the question about this, brother? What was the... so my my humble interpretation to lacking uh, of common sense uh, is that generally speaking, women are emotionally driven, so maybe they cannot. Uh, and sometimes they uh, cannot uh, fully comprehend the, the some matters because uh, of the emotions, but this interpretation does not set up well with uh, uh, the prophet explanation that uh, that uh, seems that he quotes uh, Surah two ninety two that uh, if so if someone uh, of the women forgets the, the other uh, may remind him the the the, uh, the two. Um, uh, female uh, witnessing to the uh, financial uh, contract. So I, 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 I just want a uh, if my a, um, uh, if I if you can explain this hadith for me. Oh, um, if is uh, or if my interpretation is a correct interpretation. Or, or, yeah, I just want your thoughts. So 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 good good thing I've, I've i remember looking into this in the past it's not something that's been asked to me for a while but um mm -hmm. so, so is is the question is the thing that's bothered because i want to really be specific so what's the thing that's bothering you specifically about this is it the the common sense part of it is it no it's it's not bothering me but um i, I want just to uh, understand it because i have a certain um, a interpretation for it, but it does not set up well with the Prophet's uh, explanation to it. So the word aqala in Arabic can mean aqaltu amra means to um, fully con comprehend the thing, or aqaltu naqata, like to uh, it refers to like militancy. So this is in in, in Arabic. So uh, uh, yeah. but, uh, so I. My, my interpretation that it refers to the women generally driven by the emotions, but uh, the prophet's uh, referencing uh, seems to reference two nine two. It, it, it uh, I think he alludes he alludes to memory, so it does not. My interpretation does not set so, up well. Yeah. So I think it. Do, I think it does because if you look at the, if you look at the ayah uh, talking about memory, what does it say in the ayah? Um, about forgetting, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, so if she doesn't forget, then it's fine, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Yeah, so this is this is the thing. So you, you, you have the other person with you, and this is now, because it's talking about the contract, and it's talking about the the, the witnesses only brought uh, in to, court, to, to speak about their witnessing in the case of uh, an issue between 
the two people who had the contract. Do you understand? So yeah. in a court of law, you'd be brought. So in a court of law scenario, when the witnesses are brought, both would come. And if one were to forget, then the other could remind her. But if she didn't, then what would happen? There would be no need to remind. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that, and then there are other hadith, which the other eyes in the Quran, which talk about the fact that uh, you can the 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 witnessing of, say, for example, for um, uh, a claim of uh, ludity or uh, you know zina uh, uh, for a woman, then the whole point is that um, she can actually make a claim that actually I haven't committed this in in response to her husband, and their witness would be the same. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I know that there's cases in Sharia that uh, yeah. women testifies. Uh, like in fact, it would be superior. In fact, it would be superior because if the husband swore by Allah that yes, she did do this, or I saw her doing this, and she says no, I swear by Allah, I did not. Yeah, her, yeah. Uh, her basically testimony will be accepted, not his. Yeah, the fact that women can uh, 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 Testify or give the highest testimony of hadith is uh, it's enough that uh, yes absolutely enough for me but about the point I'm making that um, what the way I understand it uh, is it correctly that they are because driven uh, somewhat uh, that women is driven by emotion has nothing to do with memory am I right or this is just um, is it is it that it's an, is that what it's saying that you're driven by emotion. No, but um, this is my interpretation. So uh, I'm asking this if this interpretation is correct or it's just a false interpretation. It's a good question. <laughs> if I'm very honest with you, um, I would have to th- I would have to check if this is something that. Do you have access to anyone that you can? Uh, I know you've you asked us, but have you spoken to anyone who's a, 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 a scholar to see if it would be um, something that could be utilized in that way? Uh, well, if I know, um, no. Okay, so no problem. So what I will do, I will double check this because I, I don't want to get, say to you, yes, this is fine, and then actually it's not fine, and you're you're using it in your discussion. So I don't want to say that. So that because uh, that would be my mistake, and I would be compounding it by letting you know to that it was okay. So let me double check this, inshallah. And uh, do you do you have our email, brother? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just just email us, and then what I will do is, I'll, if you email us, then I will double check, and if this can be applied, your your understanding can be applied. Uh, I, I it seems to fit to me. I don't think there's an issue with it, but it's different different for me saying yes, this is fine. Go ahead and use it. I, sh- I should I need to check this with somebody, and then I can get back to you and show about it. Is that yeah. reasonable? Yeah, thank you so much. Jazakallah, uh, brother. Really good question. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Assalamualaikum, brother. Assalamualaikum, brother. Uh, Abbas, have you just prayed, have you? Yes Yeah, just give me two seconds, I'll be back inshallah Yeah, yeah, go ahead please, quickly, you need to rush <laughs> Okay, so uh, it, we're going to get uh, Harabi on next But Harabi, can you just put your camera on, just give me a quick wave That's fantastic, uh, I'm going to get you on next You can turn your camera off if you like uh, Harabi, welcome to the stream How are you? Alhamdulillah, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. So I I have a friend uh, who's uh, an agnostic and um, he's never heard about Islam before. Uh, I mean, he's heard about it, but he never really, uh, he doesn't know anything about it. So I've talked to him a couple of times uh, about it and he seemed to be like really, um, he didn't uh, accept it, but he was, 
uh, appreciative that he uh, learned so many things that he didn't know and uh, he seemed to be really interested to know these things that that were um, unknown to him before so um, now what I want to do is I want to uh, probably send him like a a video because you know sometimes uh, uh, the the best thing is not to uh, talk to someone directly if, if they're close to you or a friend they might be defensive or you know sometimes it, it's better to hear it from a third person um, uh, and that way uh, they they might be more inclined to uh, accept or, or uh, yeah I mean uh, you know what it is brother Harry it often depends on the individual in the individual case so if sometimes you might get somebody who themselves are just very interested they just keep asking questions you know and the fact that they keep asking questions uh, means and you, and you keep answering it might open the door for them to eventually learn more and accept Islam um, and sometimes you're right, depending upon the relationship, the dynamics, it might be, uh, you know, they might not want to talk to you about it necessarily or in a very deep way. And it might be more relaxed for them to just perhaps watch a few uh, videos in their own time, in their own space. Um, and and they, they might come to Islam that way. So you're, you're right. Um, but as I say, it's a different a different strategy depending upon that dynamics, uh, those dynamics and the relationship that you have. Um, but uh, so, what was so your, was there any specific question that you wanted in relation to that though? Yeah. I was just wondering if, if you would guys maybe recommend me uh, maybe one or two videos. If you remember, you've done a lot of videos. I don't know if you remember, but if you have something in mind that you think this video specific debate that we've had, yeah, Before, you know I, what it I, is, brother. It's difficult, really, to pinpoint, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> because sometimes you get people who argue a particular uh, aspect or subject that they they're more inclined to believing. So somebody might be hell bent on accepting uh, evolution or science, and they and they don't see any uh, any other avenue of evidence or information. So that would be a different way of tackling that type of discussion. Mm -hmm. Then you might get somebody who, you know, they just say, well, I don't know. And I haven't investigated. Uh, and that person, maybe you might have a different discussion with that individual, uh, or you might have somebody who says, actually, you know what? I believe already believe that there has to be something. I already believe in something that brought everything into existence. So in reality, they're already believing in some sort of a concept that can be somewhat equated to uh, our belief in a creator. Of course, they might not necessarily appreciate all the attributes that Allah has disclosed to us about himself. Um, mm -hmm. And that will be a different discussion, you see. So depending yeah. upon where your discussion with this individual is, what they are asking or thinking, what their contentions are, the video might be very different. It might just be an idea to start them on a basic uh, video. There are lots of mashallah, great videos out there, even obviously from other channels. Um, you know, Muhammad Hijab, uh, brother Mansoor, uh, brother Hashim from Dawawise, and brother brother Muhammad Ali. Um, you know, I love the brother as well, mashallah. He has some very you know great discussions. Hmm. Uh, his um, uh, channel is, um, I think, something called Lantern. Uh, uh, was it called the Muslim Lantern? Muslim Lantern, mashallah. It's a great channel as well. There's no, another brother that I've, I've witnessed uh, at Stratford Shopping Centre. 
I forget the brother's name. He's an English brother. Um, and um, I know that Sam Dower and some of the other channels do have his videos on there. And he talks about Christianity. He's got very lovely manners, mashallah. And I think he does a, a great job. Yes, Muslim Lantern. Muslim Lantern. Okay. Muslim Lantern. You know, again, mashallah, the brother studied uh, and, uh, you know, his dawah is beautiful. Um, and he also does Q&A. And the other thing you can do is, I mean, we're very approachable. And if he does not want to come to our live uh, live uh, show necessarily, we uh -huh. can uh, talk with uh, the brother offline. It does, I mean, uh, sorry, not offline, but out of a live situation. So of, obviously online, but um, private. So we could have that discussion as well. So there's lots of avenues, lots of much resources out there. I think a good one is, um, uh, Jazakallah Khair, Brother Mukit. A good one, a good start would be perhaps uh, The Divine Reality by Brother Hamza Zorsis. I think that's quite a good, uh, that, okay. that's it, Brother Yusuf Mashallah in Stratford. Uh, he is, I, I think, uh, a great brother as well. I, I, I love listening to all these brothers uh, and some of the sisters, of course, that uh, uh, mainly brothers perhaps, but uh, you know, some of the sisters as well. They, they do great work, Mashallah, and you're always learning from them. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the the divine reality by Hamza Zorsis. Uh, okay. That's uh, you can listen to that on YouTube as well. Uh, they've uploaded it uh, as a as an audio book. Uh, but you can also buy, uh, I think, download the book for free, uh, and that's a good resource to get you started. So, Mashallah, nice. there's lots of good avenues. But brother Ijaz, maybe you'll have some better uh, suggestions there. I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> you covered it, Mashallah. Uh, alhamdulillah yeah. so, I, I think if, if you guys yeah it does it does help thank you so much and uh, I, I don't know if you already have like in your YouTube channel uh, some um, in the playlist if you maybe uh, if you think like uh, a few of the past videos where you feel like this video was really impactful it was really like uh, it was really on, on point uh, maybe you can like put sections this is like atheist videos are our top you know top videos that were really like a uh, nice discussion and and then that would give uh, people maybe a uh, a good start starting point because you can really get lost in, in those lots of like, yeah videos. i mean there are there's a lot of material to often get through uh, dr imran can you recommend anything he's got a friend brother's got a friend who is an agnostic um and rather than giving him first hand hour he would like to also recommend some resources that he could access um so in terms of videos or books can you recommend anything i've said the divine reality and i've said uh of the brothers mckeith's put down sapiens institute obviously aira.org uh, also have a mm -hmm. lot of free resources there but dr imran is there anything else perhaps you could recommend so those are really good resources so you can um it can go online but actually if your friend is good at listening he's interesting listening to traveling around you can listen to podcasts or anything like that yes, and there is yes. the, the thought adventure podcast i don't know if you've heard of that uh the i've never heard about it yeah so okay. uh, we'll put the link up now in the um in in the chat um, and basically these brothers uh deal with this topic very very well um and i think probably one of the better um discussions and they have discussions with people that come on 
um, who are from an atheist mindset, and you see them going through the thought process of trying to establish, uh, mashallah, Brother Mukhi has put it up. So we're just going to highlight that for you. And if you look at their, particularly their early videos, uh, they're not very active at the moment, but some of the early videos, they discuss these things in quite a bit of depth. And, and you can actually just download the audio or, and you can listen to that wherever you are. I think that's a really good resource. But the, but I think Brother um, Abbas has given you some really good resources. The Divine Reality is really, uh, I think, you know, it's a, it's a very good, because it covers, in a reasonable amount of depth, covers a lot of uh, uh, objections, and it talks about the consequences of atheism, um, where you end up uh, if you believe, it, if you're an atheist, what that means for you in terms of your life and its meaning and its impact. And, you know, and then it talks about um, why it's reasonable to believe uh, in a in a creator, and it goes through this in a very systematic way, very well written, mashallah. So I recommend that definitely. So the brothers already recommended those. Uh, this is really good to read through um, uh, to to look at the, to the the podcast and have a listen to them, especially if the if your friend is travelling around, you can just have a look at those, and uh, I think they'll be very impactful. You can always ask him uh, to contact us as well. We're happy to have conversations with him if uh, if he's willing to. It doesn't have to be on screen. It can be privately. Mm -hmm. we, we do speak to people privately if they have questions. Um, but it sounds like you're making uh, – have you been discussing with him for a while? Uh, just a couple of times. Uh, okay, uh, and, and usually he would start the – asking me questions and then I, I would and then we would get into uh, discussions okay alhamdulillah it sounds like you're you're uh you know may like increase you because you're doing good work inshallah and if there's anything we can help you please uh let us know inshallah if he wants to talk Thanks. to us or if you want to bring if you want to bring him with yourself and come to us with a private stream we're happy to to facilitate that as well inshallah thank you guys you've already mentioned a lot of uh, really useful resources uh, i think it's going to be helpful for me first and then for him as well Inshallah. And uh, yeah, and and that was it. Thank you so much. And and, and one final thought. Uh, sometimes when I listen uh, uh, to you guys or listen to the streams and stuff, uh, you know, sometimes I have these like thoughts. Oh, what are you doing? You just uh, you're just listening, but you you're just not you're not doing action. Like you're wasting your time. But uh, but then I um, I I just today I remember that one hadith. That says, you know, uh, no group, no, no group of people uh, gather around to uh, remember Allah only for His sake, except that they will be, you know, uh, it'll be uh, called upon them stand forgiven. Your, your deeds, your bad deeds, have now been replaced with good deeds. So just uh, you being in a majlis, uh, in, a, in, a, in a sitting where uh, God is being remembered, you you're already. Uh, being rewarded by that. I'll accept Jazakallah khair for coming on. Jazakallah khair. Barakallah fi islam alaikum. Okay, so uh, brothers and sisters, just a quick reminder. Uh, the link to join the stream is in the description under the video. Um, and also we've put it up in the chat as well. Um, Brother Osama, we're going to get you on next, inshallah. You can turn your camera off. That's fine. Uh, Brother Osama, welcome to the stream. Assalamu alaikum. Um, uh, I have a question and uh, I'm not sure perhaps you've already talked about it in the last month or so. Um, so we are, of course, all trying to uh, convey the message to the best of our abilities, each of us, um, and some are more articulate than others. Um, and so I try to be uh, in good terms with my neighbors. Specifically, one of my neighbors uh, is has a lifestyle that is, um, you know, not in line with Islamic uh, principles. I'm not sure, you know, 
based on the the channel, whether you know, we can get into that or not. But basically, it's visit. It is uh, openly in line with Islamic values. And so, how do we uh, like, do we give dawah to them? Like in in Ramadan, I gave him, I gave the person um, uh, some iftar and things like that. But when you're passing by, you're saying hello. Like, how do we engage where we're giving dawah about Islam, but at the same time not condoning their lifestyle? Um, could you please uh, give some guidance on that? Okay. Um, so, Dr. Imran, if you'd like to start with that, inshallah. You're just... Uh, yeah. I was muted, so alhamdulillah. Um, it's a good question, brother. I think because there are... Sometimes when people are very close to you, you're going to see them all the time, they're your neighbours. Um, it's actually, it feels much harder to um, give them dawah directly than it does to someone who's a stranger that you may be not going to see. Uh, you can be more, more open with them and less guarded with them. But actually one of the strongest, so I understand, you know, the, you know, why this can be difficult. Now, when you have people who live around you and they live these lives that are sort of, you know, chaotic and, and far away from our way of living in terms of as a Muslim, Actually, your presence itself, the fact that you're there and you're conducting yourself in a certain way and your interactions with them uh, have a certain standard, um, what you will notice is that, uh, I don't know if this is true for your particular neighbor, but what you'll notice is that when they interact with you, they tend to come to, up to your standard in terms of speaking, etc. And they know that there's a limit that they should not cross with yourself. And if you have people in your, uh, you know, like uh, if you have, you know, your, your, I don't know if you have any ladies live with you, your your mother, your sisters, and they're going in and out of the home, and they, if they're appropriately attired, what can happen is that this has a big impact that we may not see, but actually has a. So your interactions, the way you're carrying yourself, the way you're interacting with them, and um, it will have a that that is dawa in itself. So don't, don't underestimate this aspect of the, the of the impact. I think when it comes to um, specifically speaking to them about things that they might be doing that aren't, uh, you know, that don't, are not aligned with how we see the people should be living in the world, that you have to find an opportunity for that because you don't want to um, break the relationship down and you don't want to come across as judgmental. But often it's, um, in my experience, has been like you're offered something. So you're offered, you know, we're going to have a party. You want to come and join us. And, and that's an opening. To say, you know what, I, you know, you're, you're my neighbor. I really would love to come and join you, but unfortunately, uh, you, you could ask some people. You know, are you guys going to be drinking? Is there, you know, what's the is there are, are X, Y, and Z going to be happening? And then you can give them your, you know, I'd love to come, but unfortunately, you know, my religion doesn't allow me to do this. So I, I, I and that may lead either it will that will that will sink in and that will lead to a conversation later, or that may open a conversation where you can have that discussion. So that's that's a common that happens quite often because your neighbours that can help. The other thing is actually, if you see them in any difficulty, whether that you know whether that's somebody carrying something out in the garden, it's heavy, or you know what my mum used to do, and this is even not you know when I if I was when I was young, I was six, seven, eight, if there was an elderly lady who was going by with some shopping, she would just send me straight out, go and carry her shopping home, and it's just one of our neighbours who's like seven or eight houses down, and and. You know, I was this sort of little Asian boy and this elderly white woman and I was just grabbing her shopping and taking it down. And it was surprising her, but actually my mum would insist that I would do this. And these things have a big impact. So helping people out if you see them in difficulty and then using our festivals, as you've already alluded to, brother, as an as a way of um, opening the door. So, you know, we're having Ramadan, we're fasting at the moment. Here's some food we'd like to share with you or, you know, whatever that might be. 
uh, in, interact with them and invite them to your events because you know they're going to be events that are, are useful. And I think that just to, I know I'll give you a lot of info, but I'm trying to sort of cover everything in a holistic way. Um, and inshallah, you'll have that impact, inshallah. Um, Mudkeet says that he's getting a little bit old and he wants me to carry his groceries, but I think I may trump him in the age uh, category. Um, so hopefully that was useful, Brother Osama. I know that it was a lot there. And it doesn't seem like a uh, like a very direct way, but I think with neighbors who are very close with us, we have to be more nuanced in our interaction. Thank you for that. Um, by chance, I'll just clarify one point, and, and you don't have to take long to clarify, but um, I have the luxury of being new in their neighborhood. So, and it's kind of like the stereotypical American suburbs. They're not directly beside me, but they're across the street and beside me. So I can choose to engage and say hello, just like every other neighbor and say, be on good terms, but or, you know, what am I, what, what would, I'm just, I don't know the right answers, but would you engage to the point where perhaps you're accepting someone's lifestyle or would you just, you know, I think you should be on good terms or like, I, I just don't know how to. But your neighbors have rights over you. You have to be on good terms with them to the best of your ability. You wouldn't condone if someone were doing something wrong, you wouldn't go and join them and not raise the, the issue. Uh, if, and this is where the invitations are important so if someone's inviting you come and you know we're having a barbecue and you say like i love to come guys but you know you guys are doing this or there's miss music or there's alcohol whatever you can raise that and say um but you know enjoy yourselves you know um, if you need any help let me know and that way you you open uh, the um, door to the fact that actually you know you're really considerate but you have certain standards and the question may come later like, you know how come you guys don't uh, do this or do you don't drink and that can lead to the conversation if you're new, that actually gives you extra opportunity because one of the things often when you move into a new neighborhood is we share food, we introduce ourselves, um, and that's a good way of sort of, uh, you know, going across, giving people some food. Hi, we just moved into the area. My name's so-and-so. Um, you know, if you see us around uh, and you need any help, please feel free or wh whatever that is, you exchange that. And I remember once I had a uh, just an anecdote. I had a, a, a gentleman who lived a few houses away from me. He was an Orthodox Jew. And I'd lived in the area for, at that point, seven years. And we'd never spoken. He walks past my house every day on the way to the synagogue. <laughs> and I was, I would like get out of the car and I would sort of, you know, look at him sideways and we would sort of, we would avoid each other. And then one day I thought, so one day, no, I, this is not right. He's my neighbor and, you know. So I, so I, one day I parked my car, stopped, got out and I went directly to him. He was walking by and I said, you know, uh, I introduced myself and I said, you know, you know, I've been a neighbor, we've been neighbors for a long time. I've never spoken. I said, but you know, I'm your, you are my neighbor, you know, uh, and in my religion, you have some, uh, I have, you have some rights over me and I have to make sure that my neighbors are, are okay. So if you ever need anything from me, please feel free to come and knock on my door and ask, don't be worried. And that changed, I mean, it became really amazing. We'd have lots of conversations. He would talk to me about the, you know, the Torah. If he saw that the kids are out, he would say, you know, hello to them. And so it, it's really important to not let our uh, prejudices hold ourselves back from making a, a good connection. So, so definitely, um, uh, I think use that being new in the area as an opportunity to uh, at least open the door and introduce ourselves and actually be, because you're new in the area, uh, be the exemplary Muslims in terms of interactions. And I'm sure that you're already doing that, inshallah. Thank you so much. Yeah, Ijaz, um, do you want to add anything to that? Uh, yeah, uh, just a small touch point. Uh, don't look for the big conversations, like Dr. Imran said. Allow that person to bring the conversations to you. And I think what's helpful is when you invite someone, if you have the availability, to bring them over into your own home, 
that shows to them not only are you open, and this may depend on your circumstances. So, you know, if it's not for you, you don't have to do it. But when you invite a neighbor into your home, they get to see the way that you live, the way that you interact, how intimate you are with your family members. And that can stir things, right? Just like your general cleanliness or the way you speak to your mom or something like this. So if that person is of a lifestyle that's not similar to yours or one that you don't approve of, it's sometimes much more worse to start off with that being the conversation. Uh, I would usually recommend with neighbors, you want to keep that good relation, invite them over and give them a place in your home, you know, regularly if you can. And that might still, you know, good questions and things like this. And what I found is uh, I like to show people my bookcase and I tell them any book you want to borrow, go right ahead. You know, it, it, it lets them know, it gives them one, it gives you an opportunity to follow up with them because you have to get the book back. But if they tend to borrow something, they might choose something that's Islamic from your shelf. Or if you have like little tabs, like I have tabs in my books, or like little notes, they might get to see what my inner thoughts are as I'm reading. And that sometimes stirs uh, really good relationships. And it's a really good uh, way to introduce new ideas without being controversial and confrontational. It's really subtle. So I like to leave little notes in my books for myself, but if it benefits someone else, you know, alhamdulillah. So yeah, that's one way. Another way I think that might be helpful, you know, Dr. Imran says, uh, uh, you know, like if you help them cross the street or bring in groceries, one of the things that might be helpful is if you're popping down to the shop and you see them, you stop by and you ask, is there anything from the shop I can grab for you? You know, I'm just going on my way there. Or can I offer you a ride somewhere? Right? Those little moments, it actually adds up over time and they begin to see you less like a neighbor and more like a friend. And that relationship as it develops is really indirect now. Just my two cents. Alhamdulillah, you reminded me of, uh, you know, Brother Jordan, when he, uh, before he became Muslim, he came to up with us for a meal. We've been giving him dawah for literally the whole day. And actually what he said was that the, the, the meal, and I'm, I'm sure he's around in Shalom, he, he could tell us himself, but yeah. he said that the meal itself had a greater impact on him yeah. Yeah. than the dawah. Yeah. And we and he gives really good reasons. He said, because when I was going out with my friends, it's all about you know what job have you got, how much you're earning, how big is your car, what you know, what's your latest uh, uh, the car that you have, and it was a very competitive type of. And when the food would came, they would try and grab the best things for themselves. And 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 he said, we, I came to him with you guys, and it was the opposite. You guys were uh, not even talking about what you did for work. You were just engaging with each other as human beings. How are you? How's the family? And when the food came, you're offering us, me, the best things. Like, this is really good. Try this, Jordan, you know. And, and it was just us being, you know, alhamdulillah, normal Muslims. We're looking after our guest. Um, but he said that had the biggest impact on him because he saw that uh, his way of thinking about, you know, uh, how to be with people was, was really, really, really uh, different. Yeah. And he liked this. And, that, and subhanAllah, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's something that's really kind of be impactful. So, so just yeah. And also, you know, there's an interesting story that Hamza I remember said about when he first became Muslim, and it was his first Ramadan, and he was sitting in the mosque, and there was all this food, and he remembers in his days of football when he was playing football, <laughs> and when he would go to, they used to go to the pub afterwards before obviously he was Muslim, and um, all the sandwiches and everything would be laid out, and basically he said what would happen is your alpha male you know, your big bloke, the big guy, 
he would get in there first, almost like an animal, like a lion. You know, the lion, the the, the dominant lion of the pride, uh, gets first access to the food. And so it was it was very much like that. And then he said, of course, then his his sort of uh, supporters, his right hand men, as it were, they would get the best picks. And then everybody else would get uh, to sort of have what was left, basically. And so when he was in the masjid, after he was fasting, he said, look, he thought to himself, all day nobody's been eating or drinking. <laughs> and now they're going to open their fast and all this lovely food is, is has been all sort of set out. So he was just sort of eyeing the food to see where he could quickly go and get what he needs. Otherwise, he wouldn't get fed. This is what he thought, you see. But of course, in the Muslim tradition, in the Islamic tradition, in the in the tradition of our beautiful Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, you you show hospitality to one another, you show love for one another, you love for your brother what you would love for yourself. So what do you do? You would love for for you to be given meals, to be given priority, to be given offered the food. So. As soon as the adhan, the call to prayer for Maghrib, the sunset prayer, obviously came and it's time to break the fast, all of a sudden he saw all the brothers picking up the dishes, the plates, and offering it to him first. And that, he said, had a profound, a profound change in, you know, in, in what how he perceived Islam to be. Of course, he, he knew it was true. He accepted Islam to be true. But now he saw how Islam has completely transformed people into instead of being greedy and, and, and pulling at food and fighting for food, they were, they were showing restraint, uh, restraint, they were showing kindness, empathy, love for one another. And this is very, very important for us Muslims to, to realize. And this is a, a reminder for myself and, of course, a reminder to all of us that as Muslims, we need to behave like Muslims. And if we do behave like Muslims, which is, of course, following the best example that we have, which is the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, even a smile is charity. You know, greeting somebody with peace, saying hello to somebody is a charity. Uh, you know, and, and all of these things are very, very important. And it's so significant when the Prophet Wasallam he said to us at one point exclusively, I have not been sent but to perfect your character. So character is fundamental, uh, a fundamental concept that we need to get right as Muslims. And inshallah, when we do try to emulate and copy the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, it shines through. People are actually astonished at the level of humility and humanity um, you know, and 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 tranquility and peace that emulates from such behavior. Uh, so we need to adopt that. And inshallah, that often can be better dawah than a thousand words or a whole book of dawah. Uh, those actions can be worth so much more to open people's eyes to what Islam truly is. So jazakallah khair to the brothers uh, Imran and, and brother Ijaz, you know, who have obviously emphasized on this as well. Uh, but it just shows firsthand, as 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 Dr. Imran said, you know, from our own brother Jordan, his perspective uh, became, you know, really different. He went back and he thought about that interaction that the brothers had at dinner. 
the way they were serving him, the way they, they were made him feel comfortable, and that they weren't competing with one another in terms of what worldly gain or worldly wealth uh, do you have to somehow to compete with you on that level. They were just being kind and hospitable and brotherly, loving towards one another. And this is exactly what Brother Hamza saw as well. And I'm sure there are so many examples, and I know examples of people close to me as well. And actually, they came to Islam because of an interaction that they had with somebody that left a profound, you know, profound impact, uh, a profound life-changing impact upon them. And it was from that that they started to learn about Islam because they wanted to know why is that person the way that they are? Why is this person, they're not, they don't want to backbite. They don't want to say bad things about people. That They don't want to use foul language. They don't want to engage in gossip. Uh, that, they, that they always are ready to help. And even when somebody is harsh, they remain patient. They don't just, you know, uh, resort to vulgarity or indecency. You know, what, what is it that makes this person the way they are? And then they realize that these tenants are so well grounded within our religion of Islam that it impresses people. I have a, I don't want to go on and labor the point too long, but I remember an interaction with a non-Muslim and he asked me to do something. And I said, look, I'm, and this would be something that I could make money, uh, more money than I was going to make. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't actually do this. But he said, but nobody will find out. It's just between you and me, and you'll actually make more money out of it. And I said, look, the problem is, actually, in my religion, I'm, I've been told I'm not allowed to cheat anybody, and I would be cheating my company that I'm working with because I have a contractual obligation to do uh, do the, the transaction in a certain way. And if I do it that way, then I would be going against my word, and that would be, in my religion, it would be regarded as something that would be sinful. He immediately came closer to me in surprise, shock. And by the way, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here. I'm not saying I'm a good guy and I always do the right thing. You know, astaghfirullah, may Allah make me, may Allah, no, I mean, astaghfirullah, I don't. May Allah make me that way, but I'm, I'm not some goody two-shoes that does everything correctly. We all, we all, we're all on a journey and we're just trying. I'm just giving the example really to show the impact that it had on this individual. He asked me maybe a dozen questions about Islam, about why this rule applies and what, what is exactly is Islam. And he, he was at the end of it, he said, I've learned more in this uh, half an hour discussion with you than I learned in all of my life about Islam. And it has really surprised me. And, and just that one act of trying to do the right thing. And Alhamdulillah, everything's in, inspired by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it had a profound impact on this individual. You see, um, and it could be something so simple. Uh, you know, you knock on the door and say, oh, George, the bins, are, they're going to collect the bins tomorrow. I don't know if you forgot. Uh, I just wanted to make sure you're feeling OK, that you're not unwell. Uh, and if you need any help, please let me know. Something so simple. And that could have a profound effect. The old, he's checking up to make sure I'm OK. That could have a very big effect on somebody. And and if you if you tie it to Islam, that in our religion, you know, we're told that our neighbors have rights and that we have to look after our neighbors. So this is just part of our religion. So I'm just inquiring uh, as to, are you okay? Do you need any help at all? It can have a profound impact on people. I'm not saying we should act noble 
or we should act a certain way to, to trick people. No, I'm saying let's just live our religion and may Allah inspire me, the brothers here. Uh, you know, we say all these words and, and, and you know, maybe we, we, we have to think about these things ourselves to remind ourselves that we need to be like this as well, inshallah. Uh, but I, Brother Osama, I hope that helps you. Thank you. Jazakallah khair for coming on, my brother. Asalaamu Alaikum. Okay, Alhamdulillah. Um, so we're coming near to the end of the stream. Um, we, um, if you would like to come onto the stream, the, the link is at the below is below the uh, the description on the video. I have a question in the private chat, Doctor Imran. It's it's really not a controversial question, um, and it's not really. I don't believe it's even a fiqhi question. Um, it's it's fairly straightforward. Um, so I, I don't think perhaps uh, my judgment is that there's no harm in answering it. But if you guys feel uh, that we shouldn't answer it, then, um, you know, of course, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to what you say. The question basically is from, I, I, from a, a, I believe it's a sister who is saying that uh, can a married couple become haram for each other after a long time without intimacy? Uh, this is uh, caused by, you know, bad circumstances and struggles and what have you. And do they and must they still should they divorce, basically, and or, or should they stay together and try to reconcile their relationship? I think it's a very simple, uh, obviously, very simple answer to this. Brother Ijaz, why don't you start with this? As an expert on marriage, let me just say that, sister, sister uh, you should try to reconcile uh, simply because uh, divorce is one of the things most hated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? To be clear, if it's a situation of abuse and severe neglect, get the divorce in that case. But that's specific to your circumstances, and I don't think you've indicated that. There's just one thing that you've mentioned, that there's a lack of a particular thing, but that that happens, right? And if, if it's something that you and your husband can work on, feel free to take your time and work on it. Uh, couples go through ups and downs, and we hope, you know, with Allah's guidance and mercy, that you guys can rekindle your love, passion, and uh, uh, affection for one another. Just my quick thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to put this comment up. Uh, again, not to criticize uh, you, sister, but um, is this the only reason that people get married? It isn't. Uh, but it is an important part of marriage. And if if both a husband and wife are in a situation actually where they don't have this need anymore, then it might be an agreement between the husband and wife and they can have a very cordial, loving, caring relationship. Islam does not, uh, you know, enforce this in the sense whereby you must and you have to. However, um, a, 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 a healthy relationship, even if you were to study psychology, or you were to, to study these, uh, you know, these sciences, you would realize actually that a healthy relationship, uh, a relationship with a good bond is often a relationship where there is a closeness involved within the husband and the wife. Uh, there are lots of marriages out there where that doesn't happen or it's not happening. There are avenues that you can go to um, and, you know, ha have those honest conversations with your spouse, but you can get counseling. You can go to, um, you know, um, psychological counselling or just normal counts, marriage counselling. You can go to Islamic counselling as well and try to get help. Sometimes there could be some underlying issues in terms of maybe particular actions from the individual 
uh, of the spouse that might be triggering such a response or whatever. And I think working towards uh, to resolving this, especially if one of you or both of you would like to have that part of your relationship, then it's good to work on these things, inshallah, because that means that you will have a much more healthier uh, relationship. And Islam values these things. And that's why we, we're not squirmish in Islam and we're not sort of, you know, uh, you know, we mustn't talk about this or whatever. These things are natural, they're normal, and within the confines of a halal relationship, a marriage, uh, these things should be discussed, and they should be discussed um, uh, openly. And if there's an issue, you should, inshallah, try to work on it um, and try to work your differences out. Uh, and, you know, sometimes these things can be due to nazar, they can be due to hasad, the nazar. Sometimes people see people very happy together and they can sort of like feel, why are they so happy? Why why am I not happy? Why are they so close? These things can have an effect on us. We know uh, this can happen. Uh, so there are things that we can read. There are things that we can recite. Of course, uh, there are scholars that we can go to uh, and get try to get help. But, uh, you know, I, I think that one should try to work towards these things. So Dr. Imran, please. I think much like you guys have, have covered it. I think the sister actually mentions in the private chat that there is another issue, um, probably, and this is without what's happening is without their will, um, and they're trying. And so, if this is the case and things are not in your control, sister, then inshallah, as Brother Ajar said and Brother Abbas said, just inshallah work. There are many ways to try and work things out. May Allah make it easy for you. May may you work out your uh, issues within the marriage, and may Allah put love and mercy between you. And um, uh, it's really important that. Uh, and I think, and I, I want to reiterate, uh, it's very, in most relationships, um, it's the uh, between a husband and wife, that physical intimacy is a really major underpinning part of that. And when it's missing, actually, you see often that there, there are issues within um, those relationships. Um, in usual, this is generally what, what, what I would see. Um, so, and this is, and the other thing is because um, Islam is so protective of uh uh, the woman and the man in terms of where you are allowed to sort of uh, fulfill your desires. It's only within the marriage. This is why it becomes a very important part of it because otherwise it can lead to uh, other things happening that may be even more severe in terms of looking for these things outside of the marriage. So um, it's really important to establish these, this part of the relationship as well. Uh, it's not the only part, but it's a, an important part. Inshallah. So Jazakallah okay, brothers for your clarifications and I, and I and I would second those and, and my advice is well if you feel it's nazar or potentially something like this you know try to read surah bakara um uh, you know uh, we're told that if you read surah bakara it, it, it is a long surah obviously it's the longest surah of the quran you know it's 286 verses almost two and a half uh, chapters of the of the 30 chapters uh, if you can read that we're told that the house is protected for three days from shayateen and these things there are lots of azgarat we've uh, we've mentioned ayatul kursi we've mentioned uh you know um uh, reading the kuls of course the, the last two kuls the last three kuls we've mentioned that as well um and so yeah try your utmost inshallah ta'ala and then also go and maybe see somebody reputable uh who through an imam through the, the masjid you know, who can do Rukia maybe or find out. Sometimes it can be just something within life um, that creates that distance, that creates those problems or whatever. Uh, and it might just be, it just might be something that you need a bit of counseling for or whatever. Or it might be something more severe. Just inshallah, explore the different avenues. 
and may Allah make things easy for 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 you and for for everybody inshallah ta'ala in, in this regard uh jazakallah khair for that question uh so uh d uh you need to have your camera on um for us to be able to, to allow you to come on and we need to be able to verify you and identify you so if you can do that then we can possibly get you on otherwise we're, we're going to struggle uh, so d if you can just give me a quick wave lovely you can turn your camera off d i'm just going to get you on next you don't have to have your camera on you you can't hear you can hear do you want to leave your camera on or off? Just let me know. Okay, great. Uh, so, D, can you hear me? D, can you hear me? I've got your stream on the computer, but on my phone, I can't hear you. You just need to switch off the uh, the YouTube video and just have the stream yard on. Otherwise, you'll have a, a delay there. So, just, just have the stream yard on and then just have the volume from the stream yard. Uh, can you hear me now? Okay, I think we're struggling. So, Dee, if you manage to sort your sound out, uh, just come back on, switch your camera on and just sort of uh, uh, have a another interaction with me just to let me know that your, your sound is working, uh, microphone or whether it's your speakers, whatever, and then we can get you on. Um, Dr. Imran, any any last words before we go? Uh, Brother Ijaz, any last words before we go? I just wanted to say it's really nice to see Brother Ijaz. May Allah bless him and increase Amen. him and, and preserve him, inshallah, and give him shifa. Amen. And also the other people who are, you know, people are mentioning the difficulties they're going through. May Allah give everyone shifa, inshallah, and make things easy for everyone who's struggling. Um, and... We had some really interesting questions today. Um, a lot of sisters came on, which was really refreshing to see. And uh, I'm glad that that, that happened, inshallah. And uh, anything that uh, is good is is from ourselves, is from Allah. And anything that's not good is from, from shaitan and ourselves. So may Allah forgive our shortcomings. And I, th I think the brother in the background is having some issues. And I, th I think it's probably not reasonable to get him on. Yeah, yeah, I think it says now the device is not connected, yeah. uh, or, it, or maybe he is connected. D, if you want to just switch your camera on again, let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can get you on. Uh, it's now saying that your device is not connected. Uh, maybe we'll have to leave it for for next time. Um, but if you're able to do it in the next ten seconds, we'll probably get you on. Otherwise, it probably won't be this stream. We're probably finishing a little bit early because today we have run out of guests. So uh, as a consequence, uh, you know, we, we had to leave a bit early. There's much the 223 of you watching the, uh, the stream. If you can like the video, um, because we have 195 likes, that will bring the likes up. The, one of the advantages of liking the video is that it's pushed out and it's recommended to more people and it helps the dawah to basically spread. And that's really the intention behind it. So if you can just quickly like the video, give us a thumbs up, inshallah. And of course, when you leave comments on videos as well, it does create uh, a more interest in the video and it does push the video out. Uh, the algorithm actually becomes, uh, you know, it kicks in and it actually helps the video to be pushed out as well. So do try to leave a comment uh, and do like the video. Uh, Brother Ijaz, did you want to add anything before we go? Nope, that was it. Jazakumullah Khairan for your attention and for your love, brothers and sisters. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. So brothers and sisters, as uh, Dr. Imran has just said, uh, please pray for all of us. Uh, and our families, and uh, for Brother Ijaz, and uh, Brother Ijaz, his family member who's not well, may Allah give him perfect, complete shifa as well. Mm -hmm. uh, pray for the Ummah, of course. We have our trials. 
but uh, you know, we, we are we're a people who don't lose hope. Uh, okay, we've got a sister Amet Allah who's just joined us, so we're probably going to try to get you on. But sister, can you just, if you don't mind, just show your face, um, and then you can obviously cover up uh, after that if that's okay. That's great. Can you just give us a thumbs up? That's lovely. We're going to get you on now, sister, uh, and you can turn your camera off uh, if you wish, or you can leave your camera on. Uh, sister, we've made a special exception for you, even though we were just about to end the stream, but you've just joined us and there is a little bit of time left. So please, uh, please ask your question. Uh, okay. Can you hear me? We can, we can hear you loud and clear. I have a, a question, but I don't know whether it's a fiki question. Um, uh, I moved to your... Uh, USA right now so I had I have to work like part-time times part-time jobs like in a store uh, in McDonald's or place like that but I know they sell different kind of things like bacon uh, uh, some alcohols and is that uh, like acceptable for me to work or is it haram so it is definitely a fifty question you'd have to ask your local imam uh, preferably alim sheikh uh, Mufti, because they'll ask you very specifics in terms of exactly what your role at the place is. Um, and so they, they would have to ask you all of those things. And then upon that, they will probably give you a ruling. Uh, there's, there's never really just a blanket ruling because it depends often on your personal circumstances and also the exact job role that you do. So it's, it is definitely, sister, a fifty question. So I would definitely refer to your local imam and if they can recommend you to the mufti or an alim, somebody who is scholarly, who's qualified to, to give uh, fatwas, uh, then it would be better definitely to go down that route. Uh, is that correct, brothers? Imran and brother Ijaz? Yes. yes. Yeah. I just want to say, sister, sounds like you're working very hard. Um, may Allah make things easy for you Amen. and in increase you so that you're Amen. in better roles and uh, not having to worry about these things, inshallah. So, Jazakallah uh, khair for your question. Apologies, we couldn't help because of the thick nature of it. But um, if you don't know of anyone in your local area that can help, please email us and we'll put you in touch with somebody, inshallah, who can. Yes. Okay, that would be great. Okay, I will email you because I don't, I don't, I don't know much of any Muslims around me. Uh, there are no Muslims around where I live, so I actually I, I stopped working in the store because I know they're selling alcohol and I don't, I don't feel like working there. It's hard, but now uh, I'm working in a restaurant and, and they <laughs> they do sell ham and stuff like that, but they don't have any alcohol. It's just I'm kind of confused, yeah. Yeah, inshallah, I'll ask, as I say, sister, the uh, uh, local mufti, if you don't have that contact, you say you don't have that close to you, I've just put our email onto the screen. Mm -hmm, okay. And, and inshallah, ta'ala, you know, we'll uh, refer it to somebody uh, and they can then, uh, you know, shaykh, and then they can perhaps uh, ask you for perhaps clarity on the on, on the issue uh, and and then give you a, a specific uh, ruling, inshallah, ta'ala. Okay. Jazakallah. Thank Barakallah you so much. Thank you, sister. And Jazakallah for coming on. Assalamu so, okay, alhamdulillah, we are at the end of the stream now. Jazakallah uh, khair to our sister. And mashallah, we've had, uh, I think, four sisters on today, if I, count, if I can count correctly, which is alhamdulillah wonderful. Uh, and, you know, mashallah, it's, it's wonderful to see some of our sisters, you know, who are really mashallah engaged in the dawah as well. And they're getting really technical uh, in terms of their discussions and, and things like that. And it's mashallah, it, it is quite amazing. Uh, to see and alhamdulillah there's no reason why we shouldn't see this of course this, this is this is nothing to be surprised about uh, because alhamdulillah our sisters are very very talented uh, often 
in many areas more more talented than many of us brothers so jazakallah khair to our sisters and of course jazakallah khair to everybody else who joined the stream uh, uh also the mods uh, you know who uh, tirelessly work uh, and behind the scenes of course our brothers um, um brother anis has had a family member who passed away today so he had to travel and he's uh, at uh, going to a funeral so p- pray for the de- our deceased as well inshallah ta'ala uh, and with that, Jazakallah Khair again for joining us. It's always uh, a pleasure uh, to to talk with all of you and to interact with you. May Allah accept what we do uh, and keep us sincere. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.